three times before, you have felt the terror, known the madness, lived the horror. But this is the one you've been screaming for. Hey, Ted, where's, where's that, uh, that part for that fancy part for the wine bottle? Stop it! Ted! Hear you. Hey, Ted, where the hell's the part for? Welcome to 100 Lunatics, the podcast where we examine horror's legendary lunatics from inception to death to inevitable remake. I'm your guide to Crystal Lake, Higgins Haven, and now Crystal Point, Daniel. The bitter voice of dissent from the Great White North is Nathan. Hi, everyone. And he considers himself a Sarah, but we all know he's really a Samantha, (laughs) Jonathan. I'm a whore. (laughs) We are... Back to camp. This is the fourth in the Voorhees saga, guys. We are cruising through these things. But don't get sad. Jonathan, don't get sad. This, this is, is not. End. No, this is not the final chapter, really. Uh, no, it is. a lie. I feel like I'm living no, it a lie. Says, it says it's the last one. It's the final chapter. No, Nathan, I know you texted me the other night. Extremely, too excited, really, about the title of this movie. And no, it continues. We've got at least six more chapters. Impossible. No, it can't continue. Yeah, I don't think there was anything about Jason's death that said that was forever. <laughs> uh, this is 1984. This is We're at the fourth Jason movie, and the Freddy movies have just started. Right, Nate? I didn't really think about that chronologically. All I keep thinking about is how that machete just, like, cuts his fucking face in half. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's fucking dead. He's dead. It's He's the not final dead. chapter. He's dead. He's not dead. In our previous installation of, of this series, we saw Jason take a machete, or was it an axe? An axe. An axe to the head. Yeah. Jason, he, he, just like Freddy, he is eternal. Well, no. No, no, no. The machete to the head, that that cut was, you know, it healed up. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't that severe, apparently. Really? Remember, we have discussed his Wolverine powers. Yep. He yeah. does heal extremely fast. I don't know, though. When you get a machete that like goes down your head, through your eyeball, and into your face, I'd say you're done. Nope. I'd say that's over. I want to talk a little walkthrough here. I want to get into the meat and potatoes of this final chapter slash last movie in the Voorhees saga. All right. Well, before we get into the walkthrough, let's do a quick little summary of what's happened up until this point. And here it is. No, that that happens in the walkthrough. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yes, that's true. Okay, fair enough. Yep. Okay. If you do a summary, that means you got to skip over that bullshit opening. <laughs> that's true. We will not skip over that well-done montage opening. But 
We should mention Tom Savini, the guy that did all the special effects for the first movie, the guy they didn't ask back for part two, the guy they didn't ask back for part three, Joseph Zito, the director of this movie, he comes in, he had just done a movie with Tom Savini somewhere else, brings him on board, even though they had a full makeup effects department already. He made Jason, he's back to kill Jason. Serendipitous? I, I, I don't care. Well, I, I mean, really... Tom Savini didn't make Jason, right? All he had was the little kid come out of the lake. Yeah, he just made a little kid, so a deformed kid's head. So he didn't make Jason. He made Jason's mom. He made some of the death scenes look kind of cool. Well, he made the actual headpiece for Jason, the the boy Jason. Now Jason's okay. all grown up, and so he destroys that headpiece. So he's going off someone else's work and trying to make it better. Off of what do you mean? So, the guy who did part two and part three made Jason. Oh, right, right, right. Right, so now he's go- just going off of their work and being a bit more creative with it. Yeah, also making Jason a little bit more monstrous. You know, in part yeah. two, yeah, that little... An, what's that? That's an excellent point, all right? I want, Daniel, I want you to get this Savino guy's cock out of your mouth because he's not that important. Savini. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, he's done... Lots of special effects for lots of movies. He broke a lot of ground for other special effects people to come up and currently owns his own special effects school where he delegates his jobs to his students so that they get real live experience before they are put out into the makeup Hollywood world. This man should be respected. Was Tom Savini on the Spike TV reality show where they do the makeup and all that stuff? Oh, he should have been. Well, if he wasn't, then he doesn't deserve respect. Now, does he? Well, he might have been too big for them, honestly. Too big. I'm just, I'm just gonna look him up right now. We're, we're gonna get down to the meat and potatoes of this here and see exactly how important he is. It's Gun Dick. It's Gun Dick from from <laughs> Dust Till Dawn. It's Gun Dick. Machete kills. Um, yeah, Django and Ch- no, he was just an actor in that. Makeup special effects. He does a lot of acting now. Yeah. Okay, now that I know that he's Gun Dick from Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, here's, I'm here's a bullshit he's, movie he's that I didn't know existed <laughs> that I didn't want to know about. He's Gun uh. Dick. He's one of the cops that gets his finger bitten off in Planet Terror. Um, yep, he's got my respect. Yeah. That's it. Who cares? No, okay, no. Look, look at this. I'm on Daniel's he side. Played, <laughs> he played Killer. He played Killer in Horror Ween. <laughs> yep, Horror again, on Daniel's Ween. side. <laughs> I don't think I've uh, had the joy of experience. Yeah, when, when did he do makeup? Yet. This guy is is doing nothing, but he's he's acting. He's not doing any makeup. Where's he teaches a school now? He has others do that now. Now he's into acting. I see nothing in his. Why do you want to pigeonhole this guy so bad into one? Let him blossom and try different. Oh things. wait, nope. Okay, sorry. He did special makeup effects for. Blood-sucking pharaohs in Pittsburgh. Of so, course. You know, let's take a step back here. He was gun dick, for Christ's sake. Well, yeah, and let's put this in perspective for our listeners. Uh, Nathan wouldn't respect him no matter what popped up on that filmography unless it was Back to the Future. I'm just being serious, all right? I'm, I'm looking at his, at his filmography, and f- Friday the 13th, the final chapter, is really is probably the most famous movie that he has done special effects for. So now that you're saying that this movie is more famous than the original Friday the 13th, we should probably get into it. Huh? 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 What? 
to the walkthrough. <laughs> Folks, please welcome Crispin Glover. Hi. How are you? Nice good. to see you. Good to see you too. How are you doing? Good. I'm really good. Uh, things going all right this summer? I'm having a very good, good summer. Yeah. Where do you live now? You live in Los Angeles? Yes, that's right. In Los Angeles. Uh -huh. I just bought a nice condominium. Condominium? Where, where is it located? It's located just over the hill in the valley, and I'm really happy about it. Did you, uh, did for a time you lived in Hollywood? You lived on Hollywood Boulevard? In Hollywood Boulevard. On Hollywood Boulevard? No. At, a, at an apartment overlooking Hollywood Boulevard? At a, a big high building you lived in? Big tower on Hollywood? No. No. <laughs> All right, then we'll just we'll just drop that and go on to something else. All right, do you um, do you do do you do a lot of uh, television shows? Oh yes, now because I've been in movies that are big and uh, I'm I'm a movie star, so I've been on talk shows on the Johnny Carson show, yep. and now I'm here and I've been all across the United States, and I feel really good about it. Nathan, your favorite part, the summary. What summary? The summary. Oh, the beginning. Yeah. Oh, the bullshit montage. You know what? This was a little bit better than the previous one. Yes, it, it did was. Like this colorful, creative montage of all three movies, and it worked in the whole campfire speech there. Too bad it was followed by that horrible, horrible explosive intro. <laughs> a hockey mask came up Friday the 13th. <laughs> The final chapter, and then slows down the pace again. So it's like it slows it way do down. You just get black screen yeah. and credits for if, like five yeah. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna get a fucking explosion, then that explosion has to. You have to take that energy somewhere. So this Joseph Zito asshole is terrible director. Terrible. Well, I thought the first scene was great. Yeah, yeah, because this is this is early on in his career, so he's not that great yet. And well, you mean he cut and spliced and edited a bunch of shit somebody else already did? No, not the montage. The first scene of the movie. Yeah, the he movie didn't movie. he didn't want any of that montage. That was all the producers that put that in there. Oh well, that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go. Yep. But no, off, Zito. Jonathan was about to bring it up, but you must have liked that opening shot. That one nice long sequence coming down off the crane. Going onto the ground, following all the cops and ambulances into the barn where uh, Jason's dead body is. No, I didn't like it because I was I was immediately thinking, well, what are we doing here? We're picking up right where we left off. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so what is this now? Monday or Tuesday? This like, is, come on. Yes, I have I have this it is, here. This is not Friday the Thirteenth anymore, <laughs> and it hasn't been for a fucking while. No, here we go. Here we maybe go. Maybe we should just maybe we should write a script where we let it die. You know, and then start up somewhere close to a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> they could have done that at any Maybe. time. But for this movie, we, we, we start at part three's crime scene on the night of Monday the 16th. We're introduced to the Jarvis family and the kids renting next door on Tuesday the 17th. Uh, gang heads to the lake the following day on Wednesday the 18th. Murders happen that night. And we end up at the hospital the night of Wednesday the 18th. <laughs> so that's where we're at right now. Why the hell are these kids taking a camping trip Wait. in the middle of the week? Wait, we're we're at Wednesday right now? No, we're, no, we're on Monday. Monday. We're on Monday. We're Monday night. So, Monday the what? What what date is it? The 16th. 16th. Okay, <laughs> Monday the 16th. And uh so what? They they take Jason to the morgue and we have to endure a awful 
sex-driven nonsense scene between the morgue guy. Dr. What's, Axel. What's, no, no, no. He's not a doctor. What is he's his official title? He's not a doctor. Coroner. Coroner. Or don't oh, coroners have to have some sort of medical license? Yeah. No, he's no, a doctor. But, he's a doctor. But, they, but they, they drop off the body, and he's like, and he makes a reference to another dead body that came in that was a girl. And he was like, no, oh, she's still cute. No, oh, yeah. she's dead. <laughs> Yep. And the yep. Do- yeah. And that's just uh it's like everything about these movies is so troped up but is, sexually. Is this the first time or one of the first times that we've seen the gross coroner who puts his sandwich on the dead body and talks <laughs> with his mouth full and has no problem touching dead bodies and then touching his mouth? Is it the first time we're seeing that trope? <laughs> um or is it already a know. trope by this point? Well, I don't know. And and you bringing up the sleazy corner, are you referring to like alluding to necrophilia as a trope, or yeah? Well, I'm really? referring to the fact that he is that everyone in this movie is walking around with a boner, and all the girls <laughs> are like, you know, inviting it. Oh yeah, they're like un, they're like undoing zippers and they want it. Everybody's on the verge of having sex with everyone in this movie. Mm-hmm. All that, I can think. Oh, go ahead. That's a that's a good point. Just because throughout a lot of these movies, you see the girl initially be just turned off and grossed out, and whatever. But Nate's right; they're the ones pulling the cock out of the pants. Oh yeah, and just getting everything started. So it's kind of weird how they try to do this. He he, no, I'm 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 not going to do anything with you, <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> Don't finger me, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Anally, please. I think I'm in love. Mm-hmm. But what? It, <clears throat> oh, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Just come to the bottom bank, <laughs> bank. Bottom bunk and fuck the shit out of me. What? <laughs> but there's... All I can think of is how how tired must coroners be to see themselves represented this way <laughs> constantly in movies. Yeah. Like, every coroner you think is just... Is constantly just <laughs> jerking off onto hot, just... dead young girls... I just I just pictured a coroner watching this movie while he's at work. <laughs> yep. And just, you know, putting eating a sandwich while it gets to that scene <laughs> just just being disgusted and putting the sandwich down on a dead body. <laughs> just oh, fucking oh, shit. <laughs> and then he fucks a dead body. Yeah. Well, no, he just kind of touches the touches its tit while he jerks off. I mean, it, it's got to say something that the coroner in this sleepy old town has already seen so many dead bodies at this point that he's just desensitized to the whole fucking thing. Because, I mean, what, part two took place? Oh, on, yeah. Yeah, on... no kidding. It's, it's been a busy week for this man. Yeah. I mean, part two took place, what, a week or so before, or two months before? A handful of days. Was it just a handful of days and then part three happened? It was Friday the 13th, uh, almost a dozen dead bodies. The weekend, another dozen. <laughs> and, uh, and then the end of that weekend, uh, more dozens. So That's how shallow men are, right? That's what they're saying. Is that this guy's job is to process all these dead bodies. So he's just processed 20 to 30 dead bodies over the last little while. And... Uh, we're bef- he's still he's still trying to nail the nurse. That's his main priority. Mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting. Come that- on, come come later. You know, come on, come to the lunchroom or whatever, and you can the yeah, lunchroom, can- the cold room, <laughs> the cold room. Right? Yeah, I want to do it around them. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Why? <laughs> why the fuck are Doctor Axel and Nurse 
Morgan something or other fucking around dead bodies. Yes, right Why? next to them. Right next to them. Right next to them. She already said that he's the Super Bowl of self abuse mm-hmm. with his jazzercised whatever sex aerobics. Oh, that's oh that aerobicize on the TV is classic. It is so good. Oh man, it I was, want that video. It just made me think of the it end of Requiem for a Dream, like the ass to ass part. <laughs> yeah, except triple ass to ass. Yeah, it would be some like tripod dildo. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you remember like back in the day, you know, fast forwarding the VHS tape to the scene in the movie because we didn't have the internet and you couldn't jerk off as easily. So. So aerobics videos it was? Well, hey, it seems retarded when you watch it, but when you really think back, what else did you have? Like Oh yeah. I mean I, I had a VHS copy of like nineteen seventy nine's horror classic Piranha. Oh yes. Can you stop calling can you guys stop <laughs> saying classic after the word horror? <laughs> and in that movie a girl is scuba diving totally naked. You see Oliver Bush, everything, and mm-hmm. I uh that's one of my earliest that, masturbatory yeah. memories, I think. Was that just, was that, your copy of that movie had lines kind of going through it. Oh, the tape was worn very thin there, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you get to the nude scene and like lines start coming up <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> hold, hold, hold on, guys. I'm getting excited because we're about to get to maybe my favorite point in this entire movie. Yes, and I know what you're, oh, I know you're talking, talking about. The hacksaw to his throat. No, I'm, no. I'm going to lead you up to it because to summarize this whole part. Jason has been brought in. Uh, Nurse Morgan is real off and on. She's kind of cold to Axel about making out with him, and then she and then, really wants. Yeah, to Yeah, she out just with him. flips a switch, and she's like, "Yeah, I need this dick in me right next to these dead bodies." Yep, they're sitting around a bunch of dead bodies, watching these aerobicized videos. Then they start making out right next to Jason's corpse, yep. and his hand drops down and touches Nurse Morgan's legs, and they jump up, and then. Oh, the best acting, the f- my favorite, maybe one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Axel just does four different variations on holy jumping oh, Jesus Christmas shit. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think and, I have it right here. It's not that good. Oh, it's great. It's great in how he does it. Like, he has a palm to his forehead, and he's just, like, headbanging next to Jason's body. Just, holy fucking Jesus yeah. Christmas shit. Jesus Christmas, holy Jesus, goddamn, holy Jesus, jumping Christmas shit. <laughs> There's a part of me, when this stuff happens in movies, that gets really frustrated. Why? Because it's you're so kind of cheering. At this point, even though he's an incredible douchebag, you know, just because you're connected to him as a fellow man, you, you want him to have success. You want him to get laid. You want him to, to go all the way, you know? So... This happens. They both stand up. He starts doing his holy jumping Christmas shit. And it, it's gone. Like, the opportunity's gone. Like, the minute he starts jumping up and down like an idiot, you just, you're like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you, no, why are you embarrassing yourself? Oh, there goes, she's going to zip it up there? Okay, and you're done. Okay. No, as soon as the Way hand came down, as soon as the hand came down off that gurney or table or whatever Jason was on, she was done, man. She was just scared shitless. So he just played it out. Oh, you're saying he was having a tantrum because yeah. he, he knew it was over. Okay. Yeah. Well, I yeah, guess you could, and you, you know, could, a you dead could play body it that way, sh- and you can argue it that way, but that's not. I'm disappointed. My disappointment continues afterwards. I'm like, oh, it's over, and then I get disappointed. But it's no, like, oh, she's gonna zip it up now. We're not gonna get to see anything. And but no second take on that. No, no one from the set was like, whoa, you kind of overacted that a little, buddy. <laughs> Maybe back off the Jesus Christmases? <laughs> Nothing. Zito, Zito probably thought it was great. He was like, oh, 
great stuff. I agree. Oh, stuff. I agree. It, well, it, it was great because of how terrible it was watching him grab his head and spaz out. But yes, Joseph Zito did like it. He let this guy go on for like three minutes and then just cut his favorite part from his rant. What was his favorite part? What was the part that, that we saw? The Jesus Christmas. He went on for like three minutes, oh, just screaming oh, absurdities, Christ. and they just took a piece out, like the way they do Jonah Hill movies and stuff now. Yeah, yeah, that's what they did with with that with good old Axel. And Axel is Sergeant Flacker from Police Academy. I the the nerdy know. little one from Police Academy. I knew he looked from yes. Okay. That's Axel. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, if you need some more Jesus jumping Christmases, <laughs> head on over to Police Academy. Can I just point out here that my current formula for evaluating um, the skill of a director or the impact of a director, especially with these horror movies, is that if this horror movie is the most famous thing he's ever done, then he is a shitty director. Or he didn't have a career, basically. He's just a waste of skin. And I just want to point out that this is the most popular, most famous movie that Zito ever accomplished. So, And this movie starts off quick. We've got our first death mm-hmm. real quick and done pretty well. I mean... I liked watching him die. I didn't yeah. like this character. I mean, okay, so Jason comes after, just pops up behind Axel, slits his throat with a handsaw or a bone saw. Yeah, he's just back to life now. He yeah. was kind of unconscious, I guess, or mostly dead. I mean, an axe to the head that, that takes a lot out of No one checked his pulse? Of course not. Either way, springs up, grabs Axel. Just bone saw to the throat, and then just to be sure, twists his head 180 degrees. Oh, yeah. That oh, was that nice. was great. I mean, quite gruesome. Yeah, Zito's doing a good job with the pacing so far. Just mm-hmm. a little bit of sex, instant death, right? Yeah. And you get to watch their three asses on the TV bounce up and down while this whole thing is going on. See, Zito knows what he's doing. I don't know why more people didn't go to him. And right after that, straight into the the medicine supply closet the, where Nurse Morgan is dropping bottles left and right. He's a terrible nurse, and he just picks her up off the ground by her face. Can, can we point out Jason's, like, freakish monster hands at this point? Yeah. Because before, he didn't have hands like that. No, he I was waiting for Nathan to bring it up. He had normal whatever hands. Like, you know, he was a big, strong guy, and he had big, strong hands. Now he's got freakish... It's because for the first time, they thought about what a man's hands would look like if he lived in the woods his whole life and <laughs> didn't give a shit about taking care of himself. This is the first time they actually thought about it. So they're like, yeah, he'd be dirty, and he'd have, like tree bark chips as nails and that's like how a filthy woods guy would live right i suppose but wouldn't you see just you know clumps of dirt as opposed to the whole hand being just a different color now well the fact that he took an axe to the head with nice manicured man hands and then woke up with freakish (laughs) monster hands plot hole Mm, i can explain it if i have to (laughs) please do how do you explain that Well, because of his regeneration abilities, he actually experienced a very intense, quick death and then quick decaying after death. So he actually got halfway through decaying before he was brought back to life for vengeance on the remaining inhabitants surrounding Crystal Lake. This has got to be the last place, right? (laughs) How many more places around Crystal Lake are there? 
why aren't they all quarantined at this point? Mm-hmm. But boom, grabs Nurse Morgan's face up against the wall, stabs her with a knife in the stomach. Guts her a little bit, starts dragging the knife down, yeah. too. starts sawing it down a little bit. Yeah. Wants oh. to open up that stomach. I mean, the camera pans, you know, goes away from it at a certain point, but you see him start dragging that knife down. Mm-hmm. Pretty brutal. And it cuts just from that to what we were introduced by Mrs. Jarvis and Tris Jarvis running. Oh, yeah. And their suffocated vaginas. Why do they pull shorts up so high in the 80s? I have no idea. They're just testing those seams against everyone's genitals all the time. And and you've got mom and daughter running. Mm-hmm. One of them mentions that the other one just must be horny. Yeah, it's because they're talking what? about Trish's dad... Mrs. Jarvis's ex-husband, right? So she, daughter says to mom that she must be horny? Yeah, because Trish is like, oh, I'm thinking about visiting dad. I don't know if I should. And then the mom starts like asking way more questions than she should about how her ex-husband is doing. Separated. Just separated. separated, right. And then so Trish is like, oh, mom, you're just a horny. You're just horny. You just want to suck dad's dick. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to suck that daddy dick. <laughs> Strange thing to say to your mom. Right? It seems like that's a little out of place. Yep. On these mandatory 6 a.m. jogs. Even even the mother and the daughter can't stop talking about boys. That's true. It's just, it's just embarrassing when this stuff gets brought up to me because I'm like, no, that can't be true. And then every fucking scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa, maybe uh, things are a little bit sexist out there. Uh, didn't really realize it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so they come back to the house. And we're introduced to Tommy Jarvis, who's wearing some like fish head alien mask, right? Yes. A professional Hollywood level special effects <laughs> makeup artist. Yeah, right. Why the fuck is that important? I I don't understand why his mask making special effects thing is important because that gives him the skills. In order to present himself at the end. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> he wouldn't have been able to properly shave his head with all those little rem- squiggly remaining hairs if he didn't have some sort of... And those black circles that he puts under his eyes. Come on. How the fuck does he not cut his head at the end? Wouldn't he be just a traumatic wreck at that point? He bicks his head and there's no cut? <laughs> nope. Is that because he's such a great mask maker? He has a steady hand? Yes. This is one of the more um, fun parts for me of watching these old horror movies is watching people that I know, actors that I know, show up in them. Yeah. You're like, oh, Corey Feldman. He takes his mask off. He's talking to his mom. He, she wants him to go get a haircut because he's got that shaggy bowl haircut. Mm-hmm. Can we all agree that... The best movie that what's what's okay yeah what's what's your favorite uh, Corey Feldman movie final chapter <laughs> okay uh, to a, an opinion that matters Jonathan Lost Boys nice yeah I'm gonna go with the Burbs oh the <laughs> Burbs was great Dream a Little Dream I uh, I just like his character in the Burbs I thought he was hilarious ninety five thousand mom how many robots <laughs> is that Tommy about thirty five yeah. <laughs> Fucking video game movie gibberish. I hate that shit. <laughs> How the fuck is 35 aliens? 95,000. Yep. Stupid. But the daughter, Trish, asks about the neighbor cabin. Like, there's a cabin, an, an, a, an empty cabin next door. And apparently there's some teens that are coming to rent it out for the weekend or for the week. For the, the yeah. middle of the week. The middle of the week. 
No. Did she say weekend? No, she just said there's six kids coming up to stay in that house. Now, do the Jarvises own that house? It seems like it. It, it seems like they run like a bed and breakfast type party in the woods sort of situation there. And if you watch... Well, it sounds like they live in the country. Come on, Mom. We live in the country. They, Not we live in the country. We live in the country. Yep. So that means that they live there and they get their income potentially from that. Maybe renting or that place out. They might be as extra income, but she did mention ex-husband, so he's probably paying for most of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then we get to meet the teens. Let's be honest. Women, especially in the 80s, they didn't make any money. Aw. You've never seen 9 to 5. They couldn't even vote back then, right? <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't vote in 84? Are you kidding me? Well, not in America. This is Texas. Yeah. Are you being honest? Are you telling the truth right they now? They can barely it's vote like, now. They No, but they didn't have the vote in 1984. Are you kidding me? They, I think they just got it in 82. Holy shit. Wow. Why the fuck would Jimmy break up with someone named Blowjob Betty? It's, it seems like if that's her name, you'd want to stick with it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Blowjob Betty. And even though he's a dead fuck, he still broke up with her? But then, I don't understand, because he broke up with her, but then he would call her, and she'd start getting off the phone really quick, and then he would call her, and she just wouldn't pick up. So it seems like she really broke up with him. Yes. But I don't... Yeah, this whole scene is kind of confusing. I was so dumb the first time I watched this movie, I actually thought he was typing on a computer in the back of the car. I was like, what? 1980 what? There's no... Com- what? But that entire scene is improv they ad-libbed that entire scene. BJ Betty. The whole BJ Betty, the dead fuck, the checking the computer results, the whole thing. That's all improv, which is why it's kind of hard to follow. But Crispin's so charming that you're just like, okay. Is he charming? You guys uh, yeah, find like, him charming? I like his whole, I like his face splash, you know, with his hands. Just like, oh, I'm so horny. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that hair. That hair is all over the goddamn place. That's awesome. Yeah. And it I, always I will is. I say that I was kind of distracted by him saying dead fuck because I was like yeah Crispin Glover is a fuck and he's gonna be dead later like he's like, like but no they're talking about his his pathetic penis I, thought I know what they're they talking, were just talking about him I was just like, lying there I was seeking the double meaning like <laughs> that's that's foreshadowing he's a dead fuck so Pam Pam Voorhees has just a grave marker it's just is, is she not buried in a cemetery? No, she's, she's buried, buried right on the side of the road. She's buried by herself. The they should take a note from the Nightmare on Elm Street crew and just start burying everybody together in a big group. <laughs> well, they don't. They didn't take advantage of the you know discount plot arrangement that the Nightmare on Elm Street um, children did. Yeah, that town knows. They've got empty graves just ready to go. <laughs> Literally, mm-hmm. just dumping them in there without caskets. Yep, they were ready for it. In advance. I thought well, you were going to say ready for Freddy. Totally thought you were going to say that. That would have been awesome if I had said that. But I didn't. And so Pam Voorhees was Jason's mom. Yep. Right? And she died in 79? No. She died in 80. The grave marker says 79. Yeah. But she died June 13th, 1980. Okay. But she died by the lake when she was decapitated. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck is there a gravestone by the side of the road? Because it's kind of close to the lake. 
But I, wouldn't it be on the lake? Or wherever their family home was in the cemetery? Like, th- that cemetery that... Uh, what's the little innocent girl from the first movie? What's her name? Is it uh, Alice? No. I don't remember her name. The, either way, the very first girl you see in the very first movie, she's coming into town. Oh, yeah. No, I, I liked her. Remember when she, was... when she gets dropped off by that dude that drives the the gas truck or whatever? There's yeah. a cemetery right there. She gets dropped off at the crossroads. And there's a cemetery right there. That's where Pamela Voorhees should be buried. But she just gets a plot on the side of the road. They don't even get her death date right. And only 49? So hanging out right next to the gravestone is some fat hippie type woman? Yeah, or did they drive down the road a little bit further? Because it seemed like she was hanging out at the gravestone. Yeah, she's close to that area, but they yeah, they drive past. She's got her sign out. It says Canada and love. Canada and love in See, rainbow this was just, lettering. This was just Zito wanting to have a 13 death count. A 13 body count. You're just throwing one in. Just tossing in a 13. That's it. it kind of, I think it might also be to let you know that Jason is making his way back from the morgue to the lake. As well. oh, that would be logical. Okay, yeah, I'm, no, I'm with you. That's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> and she gets it right in the middle of the day. She can't... Spewing that banana spittle. That's, that's, that's the grossest part. The knife is jamming through her neck, and I'm like, close your mouth. <laughs> yeah, just so that everybody knows, Daniel's hang-up in life is uh, listening to people chew their food audibly. <laughs> having, uh, yeah, and, major and saliva. So if you ever meet Daniel in the future, for some strange reason, please put some stuff your mouth full of pretzels <laughs> and just start going to town. So really I... move it around in there. Really move it around. I don't. I don't think pretzels know? would be the right food because all the salt would really dry out your mouth. Well, I know you'd have to get a drink of water and get it real sloppy. Yeah. You know? Or, or do, just do what she did. Really, that's probably the worst one. Do you mind if I just gum this banana? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, w- I was thinking sushi. Because Daniel loves fish so much. Maybe some water chestnuts, you know, like that kid, and we need to talk about Kevin. Like, (laughs) sucking on it. You ever seen that scene, Daniel? Oh, yeah. I I saw that movie, yeah. Did you see that scene? Oh, yeah. That scene bother you? (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) So the teens finally show up. They show up at the Jarvis place. They're all getting out of their car. What's his name? Uh, Jimmy is still worried about being a dead fuck. Um, He's hung up on that for a while. That's right. And the, the Jarvises are preparing dinner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we have ourselves a Jarvis sandwich. Yeah, that, that, the Jarvis sandwich is when the mom and the sister hug Tommy from both sides. Good so for that him. We're clear. <laughs> Good for him. And the Gordon shows up. Gordon the dog. Good name for a dog. Right. He shows up. That's what it gets the door open. That's what lets Tommy see that the teens have arrived across the street. Trish and Tommy go over and say a little hello. How do you do? The mom watches from the house, a little bit too concerned. Mm-hmm. Like she should be like, "Oh, hey, the kids are here. That's great. Gonna make a little money that I can, you know, buy something nice for the kids." Instead, she's well, concerned. Well, in all fairness, not a couple miles away, a whole bunch of teens were brutally butchered. Yes. So maybe she's worried that a whole bunch of teens have just shown up because there seems to be a pattern. Right. But she's so far no, as she knows. No, Jonathan. Um... Friday the Thirteenth characters are not that smart. They don't. They don't connect things like that. Nor does she have any reason to. As this guy's already. This guy is locked up in the morgue. He's dead. The psychopath is dead. She shouldn't be concerned. It looks like she is already aware 
that Jason kind of moves around the lake late at night. Maybe she's rented out that house before to a nice young couple that mysteriously disappeared. No, no you're inventing things. You creating things. I'm just a backstory for this mother. I'm just I'll saying tell you her what concerned, concerned look about. really concerned. Go with me. what you already know. Okay, she just went through a divorce. Okay, she had a, a bumpy road, single mother now. She's looking at her daughter, hoping she doesn't get, you know, too carried away with some boy, ends up pregnant in the same situation she's in. That's what her concern's about. Well, I'm Move curious on. now. What what backstory is Daniel inventing? Like, what, the, see, what couple the, rented they, out they the They rented house it before? out to a couple that disappeared. That didn't have fucking happen. There's no precedence for that. Shut up. <laughs> she didn't rent it out to anybody that disappeared. It didn't give you any information about that. Her face told me everything I needed to know. <laughs> oh, fuck off. See, I think, I think at some point, Nate, you need to realize that Daniel is more perceptive than you are and he obviously cares about his craft and cares about the films that we're watching yes i understand characters nathan daniel notices and and just immediately keeps track of their motivation mm-hmm. and i hear see, what isn't is, said see you're, you're ganging up with him again this is bullshit <laughs> that's exactly what you were talking about fuck this <laughs> yeah this is exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. That There's no precedence for this. There's nothing in her eyes. Shut up. Yeah, okay. This is total bullshit. Anyway, so... Yeah, now we get to see Tommy watch a girl undress. Is and that I what like, happens? Yeah. Oh, that... Okay, yeah. He's... No, we have Sam and Samantha talking about fucking in, in the bathroom, right? So, I mean, they're just talking about sex and we get the idea that Samantha's a whore since she got her reputation in sixth grade mm-hmm. right yeah that that whole scene is kind of offensive because Sarah's just like hey so what's it like being a slut yeah and having everyone know that you're a slut you're like oh I'm not a slut I'm only fucking Paul right now yeah and then she's like well at least I have a reputation right yeah and I'm not so just some forgotten prude that fades off that's how this is how I interpreted the whole scene <laughs> she Cobwebs. was this is how girls interact, right? It all seems like smiles on the surface, but they're brutally and viciously attacking each other under the surface. So and you took again? this as just like a super passive-aggressive catfight. They hate each other. Once again, two girls together talking about boys. Right. Nothing else. Yeah, I mean, at this scene, I really started to dislike Samantha. Just because she comes out and says that the only way she can keep Paul around is by keeping him in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's like you have no personality whatsoever. You just have that gorgeous body. That's right. Those That's really it. nice tits. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, they've only had to vote for two years, according to you guys. So, Right. So then... They have, they have self-worth issues, right? Oh, for sure. But then Samantha, they're all doing their own thing in the other house. Tommy is going to bed in the main house and he could see Samantha undressing from between the two houses. And oh man, his spaz out in that scene is just way over the top. It's good though. I like that. That is how like a young boy would spaz out about seeing an actual girl about to show her boobs. Are you fucking kidding me? You're telling me that that's how a natural like a boy would naturally freak out? Have you how long has it girl? been since you've been around a 9-year-old boy? Wow. Shut the I fuck up. I don't you're, I think for legal reasons mouth. maybe Nate shouldn't answer that question. Shut your fucking mouths right now. 
okay? That is not how a kid would normally react. He would be like, oh my god. And he would sit there and he would stare and he wouldn't move. He would just stare. He wouldn't want to miss anything. You'd wonder why parts of his body are growing. He <laughs> jumps around on the bed like an idiot, taking his eyes away from the from what he's excited about. Yeah, I mean, he spazzes because he's so excited. Just for a split second, he's right back to watching. And he needs to bury his face in the pillow. Are you kidding me? He would be staring hardcore and he would start touching himself. That's no, no. what a little boy would not do. If nine. he was 12, that's what he'd be doing. At 9, he'd be spazzing wait, 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 wait. How do we know that he's 9 years old? Nah, he looks we, about that age. We just made it up. Oh, you fucking cocksucker. Does he look like he's a jerking off age? Um, no. He looks like he's 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 a, you know rubbing his dick against the, uh, the the mattress age. That's what I think. <laughs> well, that's what he's doing. No, he's not. When he's lying there, that's what he's doing he's, when he's taking he's a break s- from spazzing out. No, no. Just, okay. I wish there was someone here that had common sense. No. Okay, maybe you guys freaked out that way at things when you were young, and maybe that's why you're a little bit off as adults, but, you know, normal people don't really act that way in that situation. Act like an idiot. So, come on. The mom comes in. He pretends to be asleep. She sees through the window. She's like, oh, I know what you were doing, you little pervert. <laughs> I probably am s- horny. Probably spazzing out all over the bed like little boys do. <laughs> Gotta clean the sheets again. And a mother like that, if he was actually nine years old, like you were suggesting, would be closing the goddamn window drapes. She does. She does. No, she does not close the drapes. Yeah. With, no, she with the lowers window the window where he's looking out. No, he did. No, she does not. No, she lowers the window shade. Yeah. No, she does not do that yes, to she, that window. Yes, she does. It's a different window. No, she looks out the. So, so you're window. saying that she's such a cool mom. She's like, I'll let you finish. <laughs> that's what I. That's no, what she, I got from she, it. She, she pulls down the window shade so he can't see it. Whatever. I didn't get that. All right, well, anyway, Jarvis sandwiching this Tommy spazzing out watching Samantha moment. We have Sam and Samantha talking, uh, I'm sorry, Sarah and Samantha talking about sex, and then Ted is giving dead fuck Jimmy dating advice. So, I mean, lots of poor relationship advice happening yeah. in this movie. Is it that? Is it just all the kids? Is it, I don't see it as anti-feminist that all the girls talk about boys because all the boys are just talking, talking about, about girls. Yeah, and... Who the fuck is Ted to be giving relationship advice? Oh, Ted's a loser. I don't get why he's the one. I mean, he's got this fake computer that he types on. You know, we see later that he calls himself a teddy bear. He's the only one that likes to smoke pot. The only one that likes to smoke pot, and he watches a lot of old-timey 8mm porn by himself. Yeah. Like, who the fuck is this guy to give relationship advice? He should be... Jimmy should be talking to Paul. Mm-hmm. But let's get to the skinny dipping. Let's oh, get to please. the nudity for us so that I can spaz out a little bit. Oh, man. Calm down, Daniel. <laughs> you guys, you guys, if you want to talk about nudity, you skipped over the whole scene where they go skinny. Oh, this is skinny dipping. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you answered your own question. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, guys are skipping this. over yeah. this scene we're just about to talk about. Well, they don't They don't just do that. They they go out and they meet the twins. Oh, yeah. On their little journey yeah. before they go skinny Yeah, they're all hiking. And they all go skinny dipping together except for... The one girl. What's what's her name? The- Sarah. Sarah. Oh, okay. She goes back to get the car. Yep. And 
these twins, obvious whores, right? So they're bicycling around with each other with these shirts that are falling off. Mm-hmm. And then they decide, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's just go in the lake with all these strangers and take our clothes off. Yeah. They're like those rednecky turbo whores. Uh, they exist in communities out there. This character stereotype is a real thing. The like quasi attractive woodsy girls that are always on their bike. They look clean, but they are kind of greasy. And really? they're really sexually aggressive. Probably also full of STDs. Wow. See, that is probably my favorite thing about doing these podcasts is I learn a lot of new things. <laughs> <laughs> but the weird thing about this is that they make a point to say that the hike from the cabin to the lake is like a lengthy one. Right? Because they're walking down to the lake. The twins go in the op- coming the opposite direction. Yep. They're like, oh, we're also headed to Crystal Point. No, you weren't. You, <laughs> you just liars. came from there. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's going to take a while. So it's a long walk or a reasonably long walk it's, from the cabin to the lake. Yeah, it's long enough. It's, it's a long enough walk for Sarah to want to go back and get the car. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, she goes back and get the car. But once we're down there, why didn't they use a shorter rope? No kidding. Everyone was just jamming their ankles and knees <laughs> yes. into the the mud and dirt around just the scooping lake. scooping water right into their assholes. Yeah. They, they couldn't have shortened the rope just a little bit. All of them were just dragging ass through that water. Every single one of them. Had none of them ever done a rope swing before? Never. Ugh. So Samantha takes off her top, right? We get our, our one set of tits that we think we're going to get. But then the twins take off their tops. Just a flash, though. Just a flash. Just, it's, I mean, it's enough. It is nipples. I it's, mean, I, I say it, we get three nipples in that. Right. And I, I mean, I'd say it counts, but man, I uh, disappointed. Wanted to see more. It's okay. Their breasts are kind of small. We got Samantha's. Samantha's are nice and uh, oh. and uh, rotund. <clears throat> is, that a, is that a word you use to describe breasts? <laughs> rotund, I guess. Big fat breasts. Supple. Supple. Ah, supple's good. Yes, I like that too. With the tan line Samantha's, that you were saying. Samantha's breaths are, are very nice. Mm-hmm. She, she's very proud of them, I think, because she is naked more than she has clothes on in this movie. That's true. It's Because we also get some of her ass. Yeah. yeah. No, she goes right down, yeah. She's, you get to see her go in naked. No bush. And you get, you get the side boob, you get the underwater boob, you get lots of boob. Oh yeah, yeah, lots of boob in this, and then in fact, Daniel impression. Actually, um, what's interesting is that uh, this uh, movie in the franchise has more sex in it than any of the other. It has it has more nudity in it than any of the other previous movies in the franchise. This is correct. This is this is correct. Very spot oh, on. And Daniel another impression. interesting uh, thing here is that um, one of the twins actually tried out for the role of Samantha. And um, didn't get it because the uh, director and producer wanted to give her and her twin sister, once they discovered that she had a twin, uh, their own roles in the movie. That is also correct. And on top of that, one of those (laughs) twins, years later, went to star in a decades-long character role on a famous soap opera. And when she wanted to retire from the show, but the writers didn't want to write her character out, they just hired her sister. That's fun. I didn't know that one. And went on as normal. 
Yes. And what also is interesting is the actress in the in the aerobicize uh, video that Axel watches at the beginning of the movie actually went on to star in a later installment of Friday the 13th. Oh, part seven, I think, Boom. right? Boom! Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> I really let's, enjoyed let, the let's two Let's get dangles. to Sarah's uh, jittery leg. So I do, do, I, do I play leg. Nate when both of you are Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Is that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, you're, uh, I should play Nate, actually. That's bullshit. This is boring. Let's continue. <laughs> Um, um, let's talk about the jittery leg. I want to talk about the leg. So Sarah's hanging out on the dock. Is she reading? Yeah, she's, she's, she's doing hanging out. Something. Yeah, listening okay. to humongous headphones. I don't know. She's shy. Okay, she doesn't want to do it. Rude. And Samantha, the whore, is like, come on, take off your clothes. Come on. She pulls like some three-year-old shit. Like, well, I'm just going to hold my breath until you do what I want. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, come on, take off your clothes, get in, suck dick, get fucked, come on. Mm -hmm. And it takes her like 15 seconds before she starts to freak out that her friend might actually be dead. (laughs) Well, I mean, why would you freak out? She just went underwater. I mean, it's not a big deal. You know she's playing a trick on you. Why would you even bother to care? Yeah, why would you freak out at all? Yeah, so you're sitting there waiting for her to freak out or do something about the fact that her friend's underwater. And when she finally does... Her her leg spasm is so distracting. <laughs> it's so distracting that you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> like, you forget about the fact that this naked chick is underwater underneath this pier, and you are like, I, at least I was. I was like, what the, whoa, what the fuck happened? Oh, yeah, no, I definitely saw the shake. Well, so who plays Sarah is such a committed actress. She was so involved in the moment. Mm-hmm. She's oh yeah, this is a compl- this is a complete compliment to her acting abilities. Oh, is how God. truly terrified she makes her body. Really, that's powerful. Really, that's where you're going with this. <laughs> but more her, importantly, her intensity with the scene was so um, engaged that she couldn't stop herself from having a natural involuntary response to her friend being underneath the water. I'm, Fuck you. That is <laughs> bullshit. I think actually it was probably just really cold. Yeah, probably really cold. And she's out there in a skirt. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, a cold reaction sounds a lot more. <laughs> but the, the important <laughs> thing here is that Trish and Tommy arrive in the car. I'm not really quite sure why. Maybe they're just there to check out what the teens are doing or something. Even then, why? Why would they check out what the teens are They're just... And turning around. And Tommy turns all of them into involuntary sex offenders. All of them. He's just watching all of them, and they know that he's there. Yeah, they don't try to hide themselves or anything. The nope. 10-year-old boy watching, they're like, Trish, get in! <laughs> they let her know about the party. They take off, immediately get car trouble. And he- why, why is the 11-year-old <laughs> video game playing Hollywood mass-creating kid also a mechanic? He's, I don't I don't understand. He immediately knows what's wrong with the car and knows that he needs a screwdriver. Where would the Jarvis women be without Tommy? Their little man. He f- knows how to fix the lights at home. He knows how to fix the car. He just needs a screwdriver, whatever the problem is. Uh, he makes professional grade makeup <laughs> stuff. This is a whiz kid. He scores 98,000 points on Zaxxon. Mm-hmm. At least 35 robots, but he doesn't have a knife to bridge the gap for the solenoid. <laughs> Good thing Rob appears. 
Nathan, did you even catch his name? Do you, are you even aware that this character exists in this movie? <laughs> what? He's related to a previous character, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Fine. I just I didn't care about this whole troped up car breakdown scene. Small kid knows more than he should about vehicles. Oh, I just need a screwdriver. I don't want to talk about it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny, you know, they ask what Rob's doing out there because he's got a bunch of camping gear and shit that he's carrying around. And he's like, oh, I'm just out here hunting bear. And Tommy immediately is like, that's bullshit. <laughs> you wouldn't be hunting bear. Uh-huh. And then bullshit on Tommy because Paul from part two warns all the women not to let their bloody pussies all go all over the place because there are bears. Right. So Crystal Lake has bears. And he could very well be hunting bear. Right. No. Why don't you tell him, Daniel? Tell him your stupid little trivia bullshit about about Rob and what he should be carrying on him that they have omitted. Oh, a bear trap? It was no, supposed to It's yeah. it's much more interesting than that, Jonathan. Please <laughs> allow allow him to illustrate. Well, the idea was to make it much more prominent that Rob was a Jason Hunter. He was supposed to have a bunch of like Ghostbusters-esque um, GPS equipment on him. <laughs> And, like, different devices that could track movement and body temperature. And they brought all these props to the set. And Joseph Zito took one look at them and said, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Write all that out of the movie. He's just going to be maybe hunting bears. And then we'll bring up the other shit later. Why why would he edit all that shit out? Because the props were so terrible looking. Like, they looked so shitty. The little devices that they had made for hunting down Jason that he was like, nope. Too shitty, even for a Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> I know that's what Nathan was thinking. He was a Jason hunter. That's beautiful. It's priceless. <laughs> it's a great subplot. He's hunting Jason. It's awesome. <sighs> I mean, oh, so he, he says he's hunting bears, and then Tommy immediately calls him on his shit, and then he just Rob just starts asking about all the kids in camp. So, yeah, I mean, kind of creepy. You Right? You know, like... Okay, you just fixed our car with your knife somehow. You've got a gun, and you're asking about all the kids in camp? We just had a whole bunch of kids murdered. We don't really need any more. No. And for how much murdering is going on around this lake, everyone is way too trusting of Rob. Yeah. They're telling him secrets about how they live their life in their house and how the door is always unlocked all the time, and it's just a little boy and two helpless women out here in the woods (laughs) by themselves. And she likes him. Oh, yeah. Trish uh, loves him. Immediately. She's she's taken by him. His rustic Smitten. savior type thing going on there. Came out of nowhere and helped and saved. You need a ride? Yep. You need a ride? Do you need a bed to stay in? A place to stay you tonight? Do you want to eat dinner? see her. You can just picture her vaginal area moistening. During the like a moistation for a ride. Like a fat Canadian eating a banana. Cool. Is that a ride? Like a ride, you know? Like ride that dick? Like ride that dick. (laughs) He's like, call me Jason. Call me Jason. (laughs) Yeah. Puts on the mask. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, Sandra. He's fucking killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Okay. Right. So straight into the house, too, right? They show up at the cabin. They brought this hitchhiker back to their house the middle of the night 
Tommy just grabs his hand, leads him straight upstairs into the house. Miss Jarvis doesn't even have time to say, hey, are you raping my son? Nope, just straight upstairs. And that's when he we get he shows uh, Rob his masks and his cool alien penis. And... <laughs> the hook penis thing? <laughs> yeah. That, like hooks around his neck? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then his way too awesome ogre mask with like the moving eyes and shit. Yeah, there's no way a 12-year-old did that. No. Oh, he's 12 now. He's 9. There's no way this 9-12-year-old <laughs> who may he, or may not masturbate. He's anywhere from the age of 5 to 15. Yep. He's in there. I'll tell you what he is. He's starving for male attention. Yes. yes. That's what he is. He needs a father figure. He gets one guy anywhere near his life in the house. <laughs> he's just like, come upstairs and look at all my stuff and yeah. validate me as a human being. <laughs> no shit. No shit. Validate me as a man. Yeah, the girl yeah, too. Exactly. She's like, you're strong and handsome and responsible like my father. Want to date me? <laughs> See, that's why he acts like a retard when he sees the, the girl undressing. Because he has no male role model. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what to do. Oh, yeah. He probably came in his pants. He doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah, he came he every just... time he spazzed. That's what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. We should... yeah. Yeah. Imagine if his father was there to catch him doing that. Just the disappointed, turn away look that his dad would give him as he closes the door. Oh. No, you know. No, no, no. You're no. not he my did, son. He did catch him. He did catch him doing that. That's why he's not around. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, <clears throat> party time. Party time, oh, man. Yeah. It's some fucking spaz out coke dancing it's <laughs> it's time for someone to have a full-on seizure yeah that's mm-hmm. yeah we're leading up to dead fuck jimmy or crispin glover uh really showing the rest of the people at the party how dancing should be done because everyone's kind of lazy and sitting on couches no one's really interacting with each other except for paul and samantha who are always going at it how can you resist a man and cut off denims whose legs are that hairy? <laughs> and Jonathan. Nathan. Is is the song that Jimbo, a.k.a. Kristen, Crispin Glover, dances to in this scene? His spaz dancing. Is he dancing to Love is a Lie by Lion? Or is he dancing to Back in Black by ACDC? Well, it's funny that you ask that, because on the set, he was dancing to Back in Black by ACDC as the scene was filmed. And the film, an edited version of Love is a Lie by Lion, was dubbed into the scene. I think you guys found the exact same web page. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> You've just won ten thousand dollars. Wow! And a year supply of rice aroni, the San Francisco treat, and uh, one of a kind dance lessons from Dead Fuck Jimmy. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about here: is the way Jimmy dances. We've been talking about spazzing. Nothing quite matches this kind of spazzing. And apparently, according to this trivia site that I found, uh, his Spaz weird coke induced dancing is actually based on the eccentric way that Crispin Glover really danced at clubs. Yes. He oh. thought that he had invented an actual cool way of dancing um, that was not the archetype for all black comedians' jokes about white people <laughs> dancing. It turned out to be exactly that. And he did it at clubs all the time. And he brought it up to the director on the set 
they didn't want him to dance like that. He was like, hey, I can do this cool ass dance. I wonder if he thought he was being like really avant-garde and didn't understand why everybody was laughing. <laughs> like Crispin Glover is a special cat. He's got his own thing going on in his mind there. I think he was he was probably raised by like a Howard Hughes type, you know? Like he's he doesn't see he's probably not that concerned about money. He's probably got a trust fund. He probably afford to just be ridiculous and weird and eccentric and not have to worry about any of that. He could do horror movie cameos for the rest of his life. Are we now fast-forwarding to the worst beer chug contest I've ever seen, ever? Yes. Because the point yeah. of a beer chug contest is to see who can actually drink all of the beer the fastest, right? Not to see who can pour it all over their face the fastest. Right. This is how much can you not drink the fastest. How big of a mess can we make in this rented cabin? Mm-hmm. It seems it's like that's all these doing. girls are slutty whores. They're like, oh, <laughs> I poured it all over my clothing. I guess I have to take it off now. And Samantha's getting a little bit jealous here because Tina is... The twin with the non-fucked up nose? Yes. Right? That's how, that's how we were telling the twins apart, Nathan, was that Tina was the attractive one. Terry is the one with the really upturned nose. Yeah, I noticed a slight difference in their in their appearance, but I didn't care enough to discover why uh, we're we're about to get into like some fast-paced jason mass murdering here yes we are we're, and, we're and doing a nice build-up there is not even enough time to show them getting killed because he's just too busy he's got a schedule you know so Does, this, there's a lot of bodies in these two houses this specific twin that you're talking about with the weird nose yeah she doesn't even get her her death doesn't even get a, a visual yeah it it's does just, there's not enough time it shows her no, it shows her after she's dead. It doesn't show her getting killed. Uh, tomato, tomato. <laughs> no, not tomato, tomato. <laughs> killed. Kill scene, no kill scene. Oh, but like we're that's... getting, we're going right to Samantha getting pissed and running off and going to the lake. Yes. And more tits. More tits. More tits and for longer. Yeah. And she's, mm-hmm. she's getting a risk. This is a risky move here. She's giving Paul an ultimatum. Because one of the twins is trying to swoop in and grab Paul out from under her. And she's like, fuck this. I'm not going to stay here and fight for you. I'm off to the lake. Zips on down there. Close off. Now that we know that this is filmed in December, we realize that this scene is very, very, very cold. And slightly dangerous. And that the director got in lots of trouble. Did he? Yes. There is a lot of drama surrounding the director in this movie. Because Ted White, the man who plays Jason. This is a good time to tell this story. Ted White, the man who plays Jason, big stuntman. Stuntmen are are notorious for being overly cautious of the other actor's well-being on movie sets because they know how dangerous a lot of this work can be. So the director was making her stay out in this cold water naked for hours at a time to do these shots, wasn't letting her come out to warm up, wasn't letting other actors use like mattresses or soft padding when there was like impacts being involved. So because of all this, Ted White got so pissed off at Joseph Zito and vice versa, that Ted White finished the film, took his name away from the credits, removed his name from the movie, and like condemned it for 15 years until the popularity of the franchise was so big he was he would be stupid not to come back. So there's a, there's no credit for Jason at the end of this movie. Huh? Somebody offered him money to go to a horror con. That's what happened. Yeah, and then people were like, "Hey, you're great. You're like seven feet tall, and you're a huge redneck dude. We like the way you filled out that suit." And that mask, that onesie, that mechanic onesie. 
But yeah, a whole bunch of drama going on. The director was like, fuck it, fuck all the safety bullshit, go, 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 let's get this done. And Ted White was we like, really no. liked how you filled out that mask, but dude, seriously, are you, you need to wash your hands, your nails, <laughs> serious problems there. Your nails look like huge scabs. Yeah. <laughs> you're, in, you're into gangrene territory. <laughs> get a little dangerous. So yeah. she swims out naked to the raft, boom. Yep, just stabbed right through the stomach. Oh, but man, that death face. Yes. That, that full, mm. like, cross-eyed, tongue hanging oh, out, mouth that agape. could be That could be affected by the cold right there. She might just not have it in her. <laughs> yeah, she, she just goes, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> the third or fourth take, and she's just like, oh, this is the best I can do. Yeah. <laughs> she's got this whole fake bodysuit attached to her, and all these oh, that's terrible. plastic oh, appendages. and. Oh, man, it'd be so funny if like that was actually her first face for the death take, but they did 40 more and just decided, eh, fuck it, the first one. Yeah, we'll go with the first one. Right right after that, we go back to the party. Paul is dancing with the twins, and he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I like Samantha. I'm not going to jeopardize this. I'm going to head down to the lake and look for her, too. Paul's a gentleman. Paul is a gentleman. And now he gets down to the lake. He swims out to the raft, notices she's dead immediately. Like, he doesn't have to, like, look her body over or touch her a little bit or maybe shake her and say her name. He recognizes that she's dead instantly, swims back to the dock. Like a normal person. But can we all agree that this death is the worst one? Is so brutal. It's bad. Yeah, it's really bad. At what point did the MPAA stop fucking with the Friday the 13th franchise? And they were just like, okay, you guys keep trying to do all this crazy shit. Fuck it. Let's see what happens when we let you do it. No, they were still all over this. There was supposed to be a lot. There was supposed to be like a vicious in and out stabbing in that raft scene with a bunch of blood coming out of the ba- out of her back. Okay. But they had to tone it down to just that one, right? One little stab and then her going bleh, 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 with her tongue. But so they cut that out and they have no problem with a man getting harpooned in the dick <laughs> and then getting hoisted up into the air with his full body weight pressing down on his harpoon dick. Jason triggering the harpoon it doesn't really have anywhere to go but i imagine it lodged an extra inch or so in there just from the impact and then he's him screaming so loud that rob can hear it from across the lake in his tent where were they on that um fucking well, to, be, to be fair i didn't even realize he was getting it in the in the nuts like my girlfriend said out loud he gets he gets it in the penis. <laughs> and I, nice Canadians. And I, and I said, what? And then, you know, you see him get lifted up and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I guess he does, huh? Like, and she, she rewound it and we replayed it. And you can't really, I mean, you can tell he's getting nailed in the shorts, but you can't really tell it's like directly to the to the penis. It's, you know? it's, it's close you, enough where your brain you is get like. the Argh. sense that that is what has happened when he gets lifted up into the air. But I mean, it's not super until, not until upper then is it, is it clear. It, so I can see all the guys in the audience when they first watch this movie go, no. And then when he gets lifted up going, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's me. That's me. I watched this like seven times. The most recent time I was still like. You watched this seven times? I watched it a lot. Yeah. I watched it mate. I watched it with two separate commentaries, all the bonus footage. <laughs> you see? You see? I want everyone out there who's listening to see this, to, to listen to how how crazy this this guy is. So I'm I'm gonna bring up a big issue that's starting in this movie, 
And now that we have Jason running around the woods by himself, we were watching this with subtitles so that I could get names and, and things like that. And every 10 seconds Jonathan, at this point. their names don't matter. <laughs> well, I, you can whatever. sub in any name you want. Okay. It doesn't matter. They even so anyway, use them a few times. Anyway, starting at this point where we have... Paul's blood-curdling scream from being stabbed in the dick and hoisted up however many feet. Starting at this point, it seems like every 10 or 15 seconds, the subtitle would say, Twig Snap. <laughs> yes. Yes, so many twig snaps. So many fucking twig snaps at this point. I mean, that, that's got to be a trope of some kind, right? Just twig snap. You know something's happening. It's it, it's like the ch ch Yes. wasn't enough. We should go back and count them because I I can in my head I can see four or maybe five times. There might be more. There's there's more and it and it seems like with the whole Rob situation that's happening now, he's at his tent and now Jason is miraculously there. Mm-hmm. We don't know how far away Rob was, but I'm assuming he was far enough away that it couldn't. I mean, it would have to take Jason more than two minutes to get there. That's true. It, it, that is a weird inconsistency. Because, yeah, that guy leaves his... Rob leaves his tent because he hears Paul screaming. Right. And then when he's, like, 10, 20 yards away from his tent, there's Jason scooping through his shit. Right. So, that yeah, that's quick. And he just zooms right over there. Yeah, and lots of twig snaps. Mm-hmm. Breaking a whole bunch of twigs on the way. He also... I'm just, and then, kind, of, I'm just kind of envisioning two deaf people watching... The subtitles and just kind of signing to each other. That's an awful lot of twigs. <laughs> yeah. Or just trope. <laughs> <laughs> when he when Rob goes back to his tent, Jason's been through his shit. He broke his he's broken his rifle, bent the barrel like a cartoon. Yep. And crumpled up his map, but left it there. Yeah. But like crumpled it up. Yeah, didn't tear it up, nothing. <laughs> I mean Rob and Samantha are dead. We're back at the party. Now no, Rob's not dead. Paul and Samantha. Yeah, uh, Paul and Samantha. Sorry, and, and then we're back at the party, and Tina. You know, she was going after Ted for a while, and then she tried going after Paul, and now she's going to try going after Jimmy. She's just making her rounds. She doesn't try. She just does. She just does it. She's just, mm. no, 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 no. She settles for Jimmy. Oh yeah. Actually, because her sister tells her to. Her sister's... Oh, no, her sister goes, let's get out of here. She makes the yeah. let's get the fuck out of here sound. And she's like, wait, let me try and fuck the nerd. But her first choice... Well, maybe Ted wasn't her first choice. She was Ted's first choice. Yes. Like with Ted's rape kiss teddy bear thing. Yeah, where he's like grabbing her skull and trying to force his mouth into hers. Yeah, so Tina's first choice was Paul because she wanted some of what Samantha's been getting. Yep. And Paul's gone, so she goes right to Spazner Jimmy. Yeah. She has Ted, Teddy Bear, or or Spazzy Jimmy. And she goes for Spazzy Jimmy. And Spazzy Jimmy's okay with it, even though his buddy Ted is watching him with like hate in his eyes, like, you son of a bitch. Yep. And she playing eventually with the is... the lighter. Yeah. Like he's just holding the lighter flame. Yes. And also when Tina is like, hey, do you want to dance? Um, Jimmy is making like some weird sculpture out of like toothpicks and Cheetos. Is he? I don't know if you saw that. He's he's got something going on. The two of them must have been so bored while Paul was away. <laughs> and she wants to go fuck now. Tina and Jimmy go upstairs to fuck. Uh, in fact, as soon as they hop on the bed, they break <laughs> Paul's bed. So yeah. anyway, they go upstairs to fuck <laughs> and um, and break the bed. And break the and bed. And then uh, you know Teddy's sitting there. He's got nothing else to do except try and hit on the other twin with the weird nose. 
That's right. And uh, I thought he was in there. She was smiling. She liked it. But he immediately just accepted failure the minute something came out of his mouth, which speaks to his confidence level. It's just in the toilet right now. It's it, true. It, it seems like Ted's big downfall is his teddy bear move mm-hmm. is his yeah, only move. Yeah. yeah, he's got a shitty line. He's got a shitty move. It's a shitty yeah. move, and it's very rapey. And he should have known after his failed attempt with Tina that it wasn't going to work on Terry. That's right. They're and the same a, person. He's got a fondness for props that needs to he needs to get past it because carrying around a teddy bear and asking people <laughs> teddy bear is not yeah teddy bears and fake computers <sighs> and like He's just the the gross sticky butt end of a joint all the time never a full joint always the end of a joint he's trying too hard and I was unable to figure out if that bed breaking was real or not the director and the screenwriter or whoever else was commentating that track. Uh, Neither one of them could remember if it was real or not. This is enthralling. <laughs> Wait, let's get deeper into the whole bed thing. Um, who cares if the bed broke on its own or not? Who gives a shit? Right. You didn't confirm it, so I guess we don't know. So let's so move fuck on. the bed. Let's move on to vintage porn. Fuck yes, vintage porn. Ted finds a bunch of it, like hours of it, of just old 8mm porn. Mm-hmm. This is sad, man. Everybody's getting laid or murdered. And you're sitting alone, and you just start busting out the porn by yourself. But this hey, the, sad. the the vintage porn finally put Anderson Sarah in the mood. Yes. And she was sitting in the back with Doug, and it's like, hey, do you want to sleep on the bottom bunk tonight? What, do you want the top bunk? No. No. <laughs> I want your dick. <laughs> no, she just had to talk earlier with Samantha. She's trying to open up. He, you know, does it right. He's a, he's a gentleman. He kind of eases his way in there. He doesn't overdo it. He doesn't carry teddy bears around with him. He just, you know. Mm, yeah, Doug. He acts like it's no big thing. Doesn't pressure her. Doesn't even, even when she brings up the bunk, he doesn't jump to, uh, to I'm in, you know. Oh, he yeah, just, he plays he lets, it just right. Oh, yeah. He plays it just right. He's he's smooth. He's a smooth operator this way. Like, so you want me to go in the top bunk? In the, assu- in, in the assuming um, sex shower scene. Not sex scene, but shower scene. Um, my girlfriend was like, oh, he's charming. Yep. Doug? Yeah. yeah. Doug is playing this as... Well, first of all, he's easily the smoothest character I've seen in any of the Friday the 13th movies to this point. Yep. He is playing it like he has been there before. Very attractive. Nice hair. He also went on to do soap operas for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. She yeah, my, my girlfriend commented on his attractiveness while they were making out, but then after she leaves the shower, um, she said, "Oh no, he's not that attractive. Only when he's sucking face is he attractive. When he's not sucking face, he's no longer attractive. You see the long hair from straight on. Yeah, you get that '80s thing going on there. Or if he's putting Sarah in her womanly place, <clears throat> because when Paul, when Samantha first takes off, or Paul first takes off." Samantha's like, I, I need to go talk to them. It was, it was Samantha. It was when Samantha takes off to go to the lake, and Paul stays behind to make out with the twin. Mm-hmm. Sarah's like, I need to go talk to her, and Doug grabs her, and he's like, No, you need to stop being a nosy bitch and come sit on the couch with me and watch some vintage porn. Oh, yep. He, he's wait a minute. He strong armed her. Yeah, he yeah. did, but really smoothly oh. though. Really smoothly. Yeah, he did. He was like, Let me go talk to Paul. It, That's what he said. It was a little bit of an aggressive move, but it came across as just. Oh, it was like butter. Yeah, I'm a man. Let me take care of you. Man, he's got game. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, in, she's in love with him after that shower. So 
Sarah makes it clear that she wants to fuck Doug, and then we've got Mrs. Jarvis coming back to the house. so ignorant. (laughs) (laughs) We Jonathan just lays the word fuck out there. So, uh, anyway, she wants to fuck him. She wants to make fuck with him. him. (laughs) We should should commentate shitty porn movies. Yes, Sarah's made it clear she wants to sit on some Doug dick, and now we have (laughs) Mrs. Jarvis coming back to the house after her run. And, of course, the lights don't work. Because they never work at this fucking lake. This part of New Jersey has a huge electrical problem. No lights work after 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Jarvis is freaking out because none of the kids are home. She can't even find the fucking dog, so she's all alone. And now it's raining, yep. as it does. That's Jason brings the weather. We all know Jason, that. Jason brings the weather. Bad water as well. But Jason brings the rain. And she's walking out alone, and I'm assuming that she's killed? Yes. This kind of irritates it, me because this messes with our numbers. I mean, it it flashes to she sees somebody, obviously, gasps, and that's it. That's all you see. You don't even see a body later. No, not even a death or like a from a penetration. Like nothing. nothing. Just <gasps> So we technically can't include her in the list, and that irritates me because... I've heard from people that made the movie that she's definitely dead, but we can't say that. And Trish and Tommy just come home, what, two minutes after their mom's been dead? So, mom freak out. If that had just waited yeah, a couple minutes. If she'd just gone to her room and like dried off from jogging in the rain, it all would have been fine. Yeah. But she had to go snooping around. And immediately, Tommy's asked to fix the lights. He can fix a car. He can fix the lights. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going back thinking this is some some little whiz kid. You know, he's totally a whiz kid. And he's left alone to fix the lights while his sister Trish runs off into the woods to try and find that Rob character. And then back at the party, Terry is bored of putting up with Teddy's bullshit. She wants to go. She, yeah. She's leaving. She she goes back and knocks on the door with Tina and, and uh, dead fuck Jimmy. And the bed's fixed. And, you know, Tina yeah. just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, she, she doesn't like, want to go. Jim, grab your umbrella. Jimmy obviously Ooh. doesn't want her to go. He's like, can we can we stop calling him dead fuck Jimmy? <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to call him. Is it James? Jimmy, Jimbo, or uh, we have just learned after he's had sex with Tina. Impressive, uh, impressive Jimmy. Impressive or, fuck Jimmy. Incredible. Imp- Incredible, 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 fuck Jimmy, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I guess at this point he has done the trans- metamorphosis in yeah. from dead fuck Jimmy to incredible fuck Jimmy. Yes, and his dancing was like the cocoon stage. I would say so. Now he, now he's the incredible fuck Jimmy butterfly, but I don't want to call him that. I like dead did fuck have, Jimmy. Why did you do that? He's Kafka fuck Jimmy. <laughs> why did you do that? Is he a cockroach now? What? Why did why? I do what? Why did you turn the dancing into some sort of cocoon? <laughs> birth to a butterfly? I don't understand that. Oh, my God. Uh, All right. Terry's pissed. She's like, fine, fuck it. The fact that she, her British accent almost slips out a couple of times. Um, is she British? Yeah, the twins are British. Oh. And she goes outside. They're, both the twins' bikes are there. She grabs her bike. Camera pans over to the house. Lightning strike against the house. We get a shadow image of Jason impaling her in the back with a spear. 
Oh, this is this is one of the best parts. Okay, so oh yeah, Jimmy and Tina are done fucking. Jimmy wants to come down to get some celebratory wine. Oh yeah, he wants to brag immediately, immediately, and steals her underwear while she's yep. in the bathroom and throws it at Ted. Ted's just hanging out by himself now, watching old timey porn. Credit to Ted for not sniffing the underwear. I would dead fuck Ted. Yeah, <laughs> dead fuck Ted. Yep. And and so he's just watching porn. And it, so Jimmy goes into the kitchen, finds the wine that Ted said that he drank, and now he's wondering where that corkscrew is. <laughs> Ted? Where's the goddamn corkscrew, Ted? 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 It's right here. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, I like the way that this director does those, like, jump shots. Because usually you would have, like, a different camera angle. Like, it would cut to a different camera, boom, stabbing him. But they just stay on that shot, and Jason just comes in from the side of the still shot. Yeah. He's just like, here it is. <laughs> Here's your fucking corkscrew. Yeah. If I had to hear you yell, Tad, yeah. one more time, I swear to Christ. Yeah. I swear to jumping Jesus Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and then, boom, cleaver to the face. Yeah. Oh man, Even right the across the nose, nice. eye. Yeah, the diagonal cut. There's like blood spewing out, and his mouth is open. He's like, oh. How stoned yeah. is Ted at this point? So stoned. Because Jimmy is in the next room, just brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I don't think I don't think he screams. Right? I don't think he screams or anything. But yeah, he gets a corkscrew through the hand and doesn't scream. He doesn't. He's like shocked. He like looks at it. And then looks up to see Jason, gets the cleaver to the face, and done. And done. And he moves the body. Jason doesn't move bodies. This is out of character. Jason moves bodies a lot. Yeah, Jason moves bodies. Oh, yeah? Give me examples of when he moved bodies in the previous movies. In three, he, um... He likes to, remember he likes to put them up in trees? In the first one, he, like, takes one and throws her back in the car and then leaves her in the car... He throws them through windows. Sometimes he'll... Okay, yeah, he yeah. throws them through windows, that's for sure. Sometimes yeah. he'll kill one, and then you'll see but that only, body in the same only room. Only to facilitate huh? what he's about to do. Like, I, I don't know what, the, what hiding in the tree thing is. That, that's, a, that's a connection he has with his mother. But <laughs> yes. but um, the, the throwing through windows is to help facilitate access into the building he's walking into to kill more people. Yeah. It's usually to help facilitate his next decisions. No, th- there was and a scene... Hanging someone in front of a door by, you know, nailing his hands to either side of the, of, of the door casing is not, in my opinion, in line with his previous behavior. So, okay. Jason moves bodies a lot. A lot. This is the first time we've ever seen Jason move bodies to prevent people from leaving an area right this is a creative use decorative use almost usually he'll he'll like take a body that he's killed and he'll like stab him to the wall in the same room that's usually his like movement or putting them in a tree yeah but yeah the spread eagle across the doorway well and okay so jimmy's dead right and jason from there leaves the house climbs up the side of the house Yes, right. In knowing that, knowing that uh, 
Tina will be staring out the window and wondering why her sister's bike is still there. And knowing exactly what room they were in before and where that is in the layout of the house. And good thing there's a tiny, like, roof for him to stand on so he can access that window. And the tiny portal window. You're attacking here. You're assuming that he goes directly to the window because he knows that she's in there. What if he just climbed up on the house and walked around and just, oh, shit, whoa, my lucky day. (laughs) Okay, so so nothing that happens to Jason Voorhees and nothing that Jason Voorhees does ever is dumb luck. It's all pre-calculated, premeditated. He knows exactly where everybody is. I think we should bend to to Nathan That's what you're saying. I'm saying he goes up on the roof and just stumbles across her looking out the window. <laughs> he just grabs her through that tiny little window and just he just yanks her right out and throws her on top of the station wagon that they all arrived in so hard. She bounces off the roof of that car so hard that every window shatters. Explodes. Explodes in that car. That is some serious it's, shit. Yeah. And is, is that enough for her to die? I'm thinking it is. It's if, like if it's you're thrown on feet. if you're thrown on a roof of a car so hard that all the windows, windows explode, <laughs> there's some for and she just the way that she just bounced off and landed on the ground, and we see her dead body later. So that's true. We do see her dead body later. Now we're over. We're with Trish and Rob now. Yep. And this is where Rob reveals that. He's actually hunting Jason. Yes. As if we didn't catch on to that before. So he's now spelling goes, it out for us. Is this where she goes into his tent? Yeah. And he almost kills and, her. With the and he thinks, he thinks that Jason has decided to hide inside of his tent. Yep. yep. Jason Voorhees, this psycho murderer, huge, massive man, is, is casting a little shadow inside of a tent. It's just crouched in there giggling, it's waiting for him shot. to come back. And instead of maybe saying, hey, who's in the tent? He decides to slash at his own tent Yep, with a machete. And it looks like he gets really close to her. No, oh, he does. He's on edge. This, this guy's on edge, and I don't understand. Oh, wait, I do, because it's a troped-up scene. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm they're really... trying to create a reaction from the audience. I'm really disappointed really... with this scene, because if I'm yeah. supposed to believe that this Rob character is going to kill Jason Voorhees... Why didn't he immediately kill the person in the tent? Oh yeah, she should with be with the slash. She should be dead. She should be flayed right. open. Yeah. Like if he's gonna kill Jason Voorhees, his accuracy with that machete has got to get a lot better. Mm-hmm. For- that would be a nice. That, that would be a nice twist actually to have him accidentally murder her. Oh yeah, and then just blame it on Jason. Yeah. <laughs> he survives yeah. in the next movie. <laughs> Blames like- it on Jason. Starts to like killing himself. Puts on the mask. That'd be a good transition, actually, if he takes out Jason and becomes Jason himself. But the most important thing here is that Rob is Sandra's brother, and he is on a mission of vengeance. And Sandra is the victim from Friday the 13th Part 2 that gets spear sandwiched to the bed in that famous scene that we couldn't see. Ugh. Sandra, big tits, didn't get to see her tits. Sandra... 14 years old on set. Nobody knew she was 14. Sandra. Now, for some reason, the director thought it'd be great to go from this scene to Sarah and Doug in the shower together. Mm-hmm. And they do have sex in that shower. He, I, you, he at least presses her up against the glass. And he lifts up her leg. 
Right. So this could be Sarah's losing her virginity moment. And now she's just in love with dead fuck Doug. Mm-hmm. She Prude, doesn't know any better. Prude pussy Sarah. <laughs> so they're maybe half fucking in the shower. Ted is downstairs so lonely with this vintage porn that he's moved up to the screen now so that he can actually pretend to maybe touch the nipples <laughs> and crack some jokes with these women. And then that coconut watermelon sound that like <laughs> right in the back of the head through the screen and he gets that like jerk he like tries to pull his knife out but just jerks the head back uh-huh. i love that kind of shit right so sarah's getting out of the shower because she's gonna go blow dry her hair and get ready for doug to join her in the bunk bed as she gets out of the shower she's that's right i think i'm in love doug thinks he's in heaven she thinks she's in love what Right, and she's blow drying her hair. Has this been done in a previous Friday movie already? The hair drying to cover up the death? I feel like it has, maybe in a Freddy. I don't know. I feel like it's. I've seen it before already in a Friday movie. It seems like an odd time in the movie to invent that, considering all the fucking twigs snapping outside. <laughs> so much twig snapping, always in brackets. I'm, I'm really surprised a lot of twigs didn't start snapping in the fucking house. Right, like dug <laughs> in the shower and he hears something, twig snap. Hey. He did hear something in the shower. He did. And this, I want to talk about this, because the way he thinks that it might be Paul coming in to fuck with him makes it sound like Paul has come into the shower to fuck with him before. Yeah. He's like, Paulie, is that you? Oh, I dropped the the soap again, old buddy boy. Lucky you're not in here. Lucky you're not in here. Exactly. Otherwise, you get butt-fucked harder than you've ever been butt-fucked before. My beard, Sarah, is finally gone. (laughs) Paul, hop on in here. (laughs) It's just funny to me how quickly Doug turns this romantic shower scene with Sarah into a fucking prison shower scene with Polly. I I mean... Implying anal rape. Implying prison rape. Yeah. Essentially in the shower. And then Jason comes to break his pretty fucking face. Just crushes it right against the, the bathroom wall. Oh, I like it. I like those fake dummy heads that they use all the time with their eyes open yep another brute strength kill no weapon needed i'm just gonna use my fucking hand to break your skull and i like this better than jason's previous like head crushing kill i mean nathan's favorite eye popping scene yeah or the, the in 3d the eye pops out yeah and like you guys already said his body gets moved around a lot when sarah comes back into the shower and finds him dead he's been kind of like his neck has been pen- impaled onto the broken glass pieces. Right? She takes off downstairs, screaming, screaming, screaming. Mm-hmm. And very weird death here. Yeah. Axe comes flying through the door, the closed door. Mm-hmm. And she takes it in the chest. And up and right until that moment, I was like, hey, good for you. This is a girl who saw a dead body, ran straight downstairs, straight for the door. Didn't stop to get her clothes. Didn't stop to run to a different room in the house and hide. Went straight for the front door. Doesn't matter. She still fucking gets it. So there doesn't really seem to be any rules here. Whether you're a virgin or you're a slut or you do drugs or you don't do drugs or you're just a fat hitchhiker. Everyone's game. So now we're up to now it's really up to just uh, Rob, Trish and Tommy. Yeah, they're all that's left. Everyone else is gone. Uh, They make Tommy stay behind again. As Rob and Trish head over to the other house to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. 
They bust in there. Rob wants to go down to the basement. As you do. Right. Sarah takes this time to go look around the rest of the house. Sarah's dead. Sorry, that's Trish. Sarah. Trish. Trish is running around upstairs. She discovers all the dead bodies. She's like, runs back down to Rob in the basement and says, Rob, we gotta get the fuck out of here. He's here. Jason's here. He's killed everybody. I actually have I actually have some respect for this death scene. This was pretty good. Uh this this is something new. Like I, I kinda I harp on the fact that this these movies are the same every time, but they've actually introduced I don't know if it's the first time that it's ever been done mm. in a horror movie, but you oh. know, watching someone get killed from you know from a distance and having them like scream out like that i mean it wasn't perfectly done it was kind of no hold on you know, he's fucking killing me he's fucking before killing me. before we get well uh, we've kind of got sorry why? We've what gone is so important deep. that we're skipping gordon the fucking dog got thrown out of a second story window <laughs> the dog got thrown out of the yes window? when the fuck did that so happen? gordon the dog is with the search party of rob and trish yeah and the dog starts whimpering in some scene, and uh, the next scene we see him getting sort of thrown out of a window. He kind of crawls out of the window, but ends up like crashing on the on the ground. But I think that scene was supposed to be Gordon the dog being thrown out of a second story window. Yes, it plays out like Gordon is just like I'm scared. I'm getting the fuck out of here, and he jumps out of a window and runs away. That's what it plays like. Right. It was supposed to be. Gordon was being thrown through the window, probably by Jason, and that be that would fit Jason's mo because he kills animals. It's, you know, he's not against killing an animal, right? But it doesn't play that well. And just like audiences had trouble deciphering what was happening here, audiences also did not react properly to Rob's death scene, which, since the '80s, audiences have found collectively hilarious and not scary. I was impacted by this a little bit. That's so funny to me. I thought she would have been all over this one. Well, no, because I like I like what they're attempting to do. I like that they're introducing this element where, you know, run! Like, that, that element is not there. As it hasn't been there in this entire franchise. It's a slasher movie. There should be scenes where someone's being fucking hacked down and murdered. And they're, you know, yelling out to the other people that that really isn't happening in these movies. So they're like silently being killed one at a time, you know. But his death acting in that scene is equivalent to Axel's surprised acting, <laughs> you know. Okay, yeah, no, no, that's that part's awful. This, yes, oh God, talking... he's killing me! This, he's killing me! This is a really interesting <laughs> switch in the dynamic. We have Nate defending the scene, and we have Daniel tearing it down. Uh huh. But I will say, oh, yeah. I know what they were going for. I agree. Not, it was a nice direction to take. It just didn't pan out well. I'm not celebrating it. I'm just saying that it was nice to see them try something new. Or introduce a different kind of, of thing. It's just, it's, it, it, be, it sticks out as being very unique. It does. When the rest of the kills are all the fucking same method and the same process every single time. And you don't really see so, it, yeah. but it's pretty brutal death. That's a garden claw. That he's just yeah, being no, hacked away at is. with. And, and yeah, the acting was bad, but it's nowhere near as atrocious as that Dream Master Karate Kid bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is terrible. That's on his own level. That is fucking awful. This is, yeah, it's bad and it's hokey. Like the, 
the he's killing me, he's killing me is, is very hokey. But yeah, I was also focused on how much force Jason was driving that hook into him with. Like that's, it was kind of. It was disturbing. What's funny here is that Trish goes upstairs to get away and then reconsiders and then comes back downstairs to kind of stare at Rob's dead body for a while and whimper. And then, okay, yeah, no, this time I'm definitely going to go. And then she goes <laughs> to leave. Boom. Jason's hand through the stairs. And Jason's hand takes some damage. She yes. just slaps at that hand with the machete over and over. And and I'm glad to see that Trish has better accuracy with that machete than Rob ever did. Yes. Because she's hacking away, not even really looking, right? Yeah. She's like frantically staring up at the stairs, hacking away at her own leg. Yes. And hitting his hand, we assume, every single time. Yep. It would be great if she was so frantic she hacked her own leg off. Yeah. And so now Trish is like running through the house, right? And this is where we see that Jason has blocked all the exits with dead bodies. This is yes. this is Jason's uh, decoration scene. Yeah, he's grown up a little bit now. It's not enough. The initial kill is not enough anymore. He goes back to some of these bodies two or three times to give them another couple of kills. Yeah. And uh, she will... She must be deathly afraid of, of dead bodies because she won't step over Tina's dead body. All she has to do is just step over it. Not, not Tina wasn't even blocking the door. She could have walked around T- it. Tina was on the porch a few feet back. She could have just run right around Tina. Right. But, oop, nope, can't do that. Dead body there. Got to run to the kitchen. Oh, there's Jimmy's body fucking crucified to the outside of the wall blocking yep. the door. Not going to go between his legs. Going to grab a chair and break this small, awkward kitchen window and get out that way. She should have done what Jason did and just pull him down. Yes. Like, that was great. <laughs> Jason was like, oh, yeah, I forgot Jimmy was here. And just pulled him down and had the spikes go through his hand. <laughs> just throws it to the ground like, Meh. yeah, tired of this toy. This is, I like this part because Trish runs back to the house. She's like, Tommy, get some hammer and nails. Uh, she tries to hammer the door shut. They go through, start locking all the windows. And then that's when the classic... Voorhees, let me in, please. Window smash. Cadaver toss. It's been done too many times. It's like his calling card. Like, you want it. It's fuck off. Just like you want James Bond to say, shake it, not stirred. You want Jason to throw someone through a window. Did you really just compare James Bond to Jason? No, he compared Jason to James Bond. Right, but while they're busy looking at Rob's body now with a new spike in its head... Jason bursts through the window and grabs Tommy. He just kicks down that fucking nailed-in door. No, not even that yet. He's reached back through, the, oh, through right. the next window. Okay, yeah. He's just grabbed Tommy. She's uh, Trish is smacking Jason in the face with a hammer over and over and over again. Not doing anything, not phasing him. Finally, she turns the hammer around. <laughs> sticks it in the back of his shoulder, neck. Yeah, it's like neck, shoulder area. Boom. He kind of disappears. And, and he doesn't kick the door down. He walks through it. He explodes through it. Is that it. what happened? Yeah, he like just burst his whole body through. The thing breaks into like eight pieces. Awesome. Love that scene. And is this when they take, do they take off upstairs and they lock themselves in yep. Tommy's room? Yep, locked in Tommy's room. Yep. Just put the thing in front of the door. Jason axes through the door, pushes the whole, what is that thing called? Chest of drawers. Just pushes it over. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm fucking Jason. And I take issue with this. Why? Because he is on their heels up those stairs. Yeah. And they have a lot of time when they get in that room. <laughs> Enough time for mm. two weak people to try and move something very heavy? Yeah, yeah. They, they struggle putting that heavy thing in front of the door. And then they go over and they sit down together. And wait. And huddle next to the lamp. 
Like, there is a generous amount of time given to them to do all of that, and he is on their fucking heels up those stairs. That is bullshit. Well, we've that already... Is some, that is some prime horror movie bullshit. I mean, we've we've already talked about just the, the weird timelines and how everything happened so quickly, like, after... Paul's death. Jason is immediately wherever Rob is. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason is apparently. We already know he's superhuman, but apparently he can stop time and appear and reappear wherever he wants to. And there's a trick that Trish discovers. She discovers it after this part, but maybe she used it without us knowing. There's a trick that Trish discovers about Jason, which is if you're running away from him and then you stop and turn around and look at him. He'll also just stop and look at you. <laughs> and won't start running again until you start running. So there's like a Mario like, Brothers, like looking at the ghost yep. like rules that are kind of in play here. And so now they're in Tommy's room with all these like real Hollywood horror masks around. And the ham radio. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there. Just sitting there. No need to use that to call anybody. No. We're totally fine. Sorry, Jason bursts in, and then he gets a television set to the face, or to the head. See, you just got done saying how weak they are. Right. She can pick up this 1980s <laughs> TV monitor that this, we all know is filled with lead and weighs 300 pounds. Yes, this vacuum tube monstrosity from the 80s. It can lift it right over Welcome to prime time, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, Jason had just got done doing his shining impression, and now he does his... Dream Warriors impression, which that movie hasn't even been released yet. That's right. So maybe Dream Warriors was doing an homage to and this. Jason, yes. They already had a dog named Jason. So now we're stuck in that classic horror scenario, which is the killer is not dead, but he's incapacitated. He's blocking our way. We have to walk over him. We know something dangerous is going to happen. And it does. And it does. He wakes up, acts to the wall. He splits them. Right? Trish is on one side of the hallway. Tommy is stuck on the other. He has a very interesting, do I go after the boy, do I go after the girl moment. And then, of course, goes after the girl. Yeah, Is this the first time we ever see Jason in a dilemma? He is. It might be. At least visibly, like, uh, uh, head back and forth. And why would he... What, what's, what, is, what is your guy's reasoning for why he goes after the girl and not the boy? Because in the previous um, adventures that Jason has had, it always seems to be the girl that, you know, gets away from him. Right. Is there some compassion there? Like, he knows what it was like to be a young no. boy, and he doesn't want to get the young boy, at least not first. Not when there's other sluts around to kill first. See, that's no, that's my He thought. might just be assessing the, the, the larger threat. Like, she's more physically a threat to him than the kid is. Exactly. And what a mistake he makes. the larger threat. Yeah, exactly. He goes after the more difficult kill first because he knows taking care of that little boy is going to be a piece of cake. Right. Plus, he's seen the swing that she's got. He's already She's already hacked at his hand and arm ferociously. She's gone after him with the hammer to the head and, like, lodged it in the back of his neck. Like, she's... She's the real deal. Yes. She's actually probably more threatening to him than anyone that he's faced so far. For sure. That is for sure. He takes. She gives him some hefty damage. And from here, they go on a, a long chase. He chases her across the yard to back to the other house. We get to see Jason running, which people really don't like and I don't have any problem with. 
No, it needs to be the death walk. I don't. I'm okay with it. You know, with the yeah. way that he disappears and reappears certain places, I would have liked to have seen him run faster. Yeah, <laughs> like he's not sprinting. He's not like you know, full fingers extended, chopping through the air, sprinting. He's just kind of like lumber jogging after her. Like God, this dumb bitch. That would have been too much, seeing Jason Voorhees, like, Usain Bolt across. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, had he just, like, taken off from a sprinter's block. Yeah. That would have been too much. Where your heels kick up real high towards your ass. Yeah. But he chases her all the way through the guest house. They do the multiple stopping and looking at each other, like I was mentioning earlier. He gets her all the way up the stairs. She's got nowhere else to go, so she throws herself out of the window. Yep. Yeah. Great scene, actually. It is. The stunt woman does a great job hitting the roof on the way down and bouncing, landing perfectly in that Jesus pose. Uh huh. A little bit worried about that piece of glass, though. There's like a piece of glass that falls with her that kind of looks like it has the possibility of landing underneath her. Ooh. There's like a pretty hefty shard that's like falling with her. And when it doesn't land underneath her ass, you're kind of like, okay, whew, good. She's dead. That could have stabbed into her ass cheek. Yeah, and actually it split her spinal cord. That stunt woman is paralyzed today. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you joking? But she regrets that day. Never mind the paralyzed stunt woman. We have Tommy in the no, bathroom. we're going to mind the bed that. What are you talking about? Are you, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> She's fine. The glass is breakaway glass. Um, so there's no paralyzed stunt woman. You're just an asshole. Yeah, that would have yep. been great though, right? It would have been great had the paralyzed stunt woman appeared in a different movie as another character that Jason could kill and have fall downstairs. And we spend years just letting Nathan find it out on his own until one day he's like, those motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm going silent for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> really, that, would have made, that would have made the whole movie for him if the stunt woman had actually been paralyzed on the set. But she gets up that and would have, away. That would have changed my experience of this movie. That would have been epic. <laughs> now it is no longer epic. Little Tommy is going through Rob's baggage and everything and sees the newspaper clippings and sees the artist rendering of little Jason. Mm-hmm. And so now he's using all of his Holly, like pure Hollywood makeup abilities to bick his head and put little pieces of black under his eyes. Yes, he's trying to make himself look like young Jason from the papers. That's what he's doing in his room when Trish told him, while I'm having Jason chase me around, you get the fuck out of the house. Instead, Tommy's like, wait, I've got this great makeup gag. I think it'll work. Big risky move on Tommy's part. Real big move. It is It is risky, but he can't leave his sister behind. He's got to do something. That's true. And we already know that uh, little, little Tommy is his name. Is Tommy's his name? Mm-hmm. Tommy, yeah. After Tom Savini. Oh right, right, because it's an homage, it's a it's a tribute to um, that asshole that hasn't even really done anything that cool in his life. Gun dick, gun dick, gun dick. Right. Um, anyway, so he he goes and and you know thinks outside of the box. The whiz kid starts thinking outside of the box and comes up with you know this this plan to look like Jason and distract him long enough to kill him. So this this whole thing, this going upstairs and shaving his head and picking his head, and I was saying to Chelsea when we were watching it, that's dangerous. Like that 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 big razor he's got there, that's he's got too much hair on his on his head for that to be at that stage. Like he's his yeah, you can't just start shaving your head like that. No, no. yeah, no, you got your head's your hair's got to be a lot shorter than that before you start tugging on it with that thing. 
Oh yeah, that's with his 1980s disposable single blade bick. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be painful as no hell. No safety guard. And yeah, you would have to like pull all the hair out of that single blade razor every time you after every after every swipe. There's just simply no time for that. The the realisticness of that scene is is out the window. That's and, terrible. And they and they and they couldn't shave his head for real anyways because pilot season was coming up. His agent wouldn't allow them to shave his head, so they bald capped him, which you can tell. But yeah. they had an army, a line around the building of redneck kids that lived in the area of this shooting whose parents were more than willing to let them shave their kid's head on screen for like 40 bucks. <laughs> so that's just some random dude's head getting shaved in that scene that some parent came by and was like, hey, you want to shave my kid's head? <laughs> Boom, done. But good for little Tommy because he's finally listening to his mother who told him to go get a haircut. Exactly. Good for Fuck him. Fuck off. Shut up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And she loved little pieces that he left behind. And this is this whole plan, this big elaborate plan to do this, is all to distract him for what? A few minutes? Exactly. A few seconds. Just a few seconds. A few seconds so that you can get the drop on him? You couldn't think of another way to get the drop on him without getting so ridiculous well, and over the top? To be fair, Trish may have fucked up his plan here. Maybe he had something really deep involved about like getting Jason to cry or maybe kill himself. But then Trish came in with her machete and knocks his mask off. Hmm. Kevin from Home Alone could have done something way better than this. <laughs> a couple of paint cans to the face. Oh, he would have just—he would have destroyed Jason. Christmas ornaments on the staircase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you filthy animal. <laughs> yeah. What's really cool when Trish gets back into the house um, is that Jason sneaks up in the doorway behind her and she doesn't even look at him. She just grabs the machete and swings without looking because she knows that he's there. She knows that he would use this opportunity to pop up all quiet like that. She knows what she's doing. She knows her enemy. Tommy comes downstairs looking like the worst artist rendering of little Jason Voorhees ever. Doesn't look anything like the picture at all. She knocks his mask off, then drops the machete... Because she's so terrified by the way he looks? Yep. Let's go with that. Tommy picks up the machete. Jason, remember? And... Jason, remember? Remember? <laughs> Little baby Tommy wedges the machete into the side of Jason's face. He just buries it in there. Pretty much the entire machete. The, the side of his face into his eye socket. Yeah. Straight to he the side. should have done it with a... He should have done it with a screwdriver and been like, I found my screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> should have. Should have. That would have been great. And with the machete launched in the side of his head, all the way from the side of his head, all the way into his eye socket, he falls forward onto his face. And the weight of Jason's own body makes his head slide slowly down the blade. Gruesome. Ugh. Oh, that was really gruesome. And... And? And the blade falls out the side of his head once he's done sliding down it. And? And? Dead. Nope. Almost. Dead. Nope. Pretty much dead. Nope. No, he's dead. Nope. Tommy and Trish, they're, they're no, hugging you it slice out. Through, no, you slice through someone's brain all the way through their eyeball, you're dead. Well, Tommy and Trish are hugging it out, and Tommy sees... Mr. Voorhees' fingers start twitching. That's right. I'm not talking about what happens in the movie. I'm talking no. about rational, common sense, 
blade slicing through someone's brain into their eye, you're done. You're it's over. Well, yeah, he probably was dead, and his finger moving was just like the last twitches the, the of his dying rattle. body. But crazy Tommy, who is now fully embodied, uh, Jason just goes to town on him. Ollie's him. <laughs> yeah, pulls an Ollie. It just hacks away and hacks away and hacks away forever. Mm-hmm. Screaming, and die. Jason. Trish is freaking I out. Tommy, is, please stop. This, this is more severe than a than a chimney. This is. <laughs> This is all like, uh oh, this kid's gonna take the reins. Yeah, exactly. This This kid, we're watching little Tommy. What's what's the last name? Jarvis. Mm -hmm. Little Tommy Jarvis turn into Jason Voorhees at this moment. And we should probably switch it over from getting a lead to getting Jarvis, or getting Jasoned. Getting Jasoned. That that doesn't seem right. Jarvising. Jarvising. <laughs> he got Tommied. Yeah, there we go. He got gun dicked <laughs> over and over and over again. Hospital scene. Hug, hug. Hey, sis, what's going on? Really crazy how I murdered that dude a couple hours ago. And, and when the camera goes on little Tommy's face, man, you see he's fucking nuts. Oh, yeah. It's in there. That desire. He liked killing Jason and uh, he wants to do it again. But that's it. Jason is dead. He's supposed to be dead. Everyone that made this movie was told, don't hold back. Fucking kill him. Don't turn away. Don't blink an eye. Make sure the audience knows that he is fucking dead for real. We don't want to do any more of these movies. We don't. We promise. That's what Final chapter. That's what everyone on this movie had to say that they were told from the producers. Final chapter. But you just can't get away from spending $2 million and making 40 or $50 million in return. You just can't let that die. You can't. The press says things about you in, 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 the, in the paper. This is a, a paper, the LA Weekly in, in Los Angeles. And they said, they said about me, la-di-da, it was at, a, I went to a club, and they said that um, it was at a meeting, and it said Crispin Glover, who was in a frenzy, Though his bark is actually worse than his dot, dot, dot. You get the point. Mm-hmm. And Paul, anything then, uh, you'd like to add here? And then oh. another one, they said, they said, they said, they said Crispin Glover Paul, was is this, pinched. is this the first time you've seen another guy drown? Is this, this the first time you've watched a guy die? Is that you talking about you or yeah, him? Yeah, no, me. This is, this is the other thing they said. Crispin them. Glover was pinstriped and greased up for the occasion, impressing the girl things who are trying to get next to him. Guess some people are turned on by brill cream. Yeah, well, I don't know. And then they... You, I don't have these... You seem to be distraught. They don't... You seem to be distraught. People try to make me sound a lot weird, and yeah. I'm just... I'm strong, you know? I'm strong. I can arm wrestle. I, do you want to arm wrestle? No. I've been taking... No, no I've been taking... These aren't mine. I can, I can, I can kick. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm going to go check on the top ten. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'll be back. Bye. How about this time we actually explain what the stack is? I don't think we've done that a single time yet. The stack is sex, tropes, and creative kills. See how that all fits in there? Act but we're trying is out and a new creative kills. Yes. We're, we're we're trying out a new T, aren't we? 
this is we're, we're leaving tropes behind. We're thinking about leaving tropes behind. They are so obvious and all over the place. We mentioned them ad nauseum. It's kind of a boring part of the stack. I, it is. I think I just heard another twig snap. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the new acronym, which is Sex Triumph and Creative Triumphs. Kills. Maybe. Triumphs. Triumphs. How many triumphs does? Well, we'll. Okay. Yeah, we'll What's, get there. What's what do we have for sex? Sex a lot for once. Thank God. We've Thank got God. Samantha's tits. We've got both the twins' tits. That's three sets of tits. That's two sets of tits over our legal limit. Two and a half. Okay. And are they twins and they're identical? Do they just count as one set of tits? No, they're two different human beings. But we only see half of one of the twins. We see three nipples in that scene, and we see Samantha repeatedly. Like, we see her twice. Samantha repeatedly, we see Sarah's body double from behind in the shower. That's not Sarah's ass actually getting pressed up against the glass. That was a nice scene. I like that scene. You also see her side boob of the stunt double or the body double. Yeah, actually a porn actress. Was it actually a porn actress? Yeah. Nice. And uh, we see, I think, Paul's ass. We see Paul's ass. We see a couple couple different asses. There's a couple guys' asses. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? You're talking about guys' asses. Yeah, it's all nudity. Okay. We don't want to leave anything out for the ladies. Okay, well, what what is the point here? This movie has more sex slash nudity than any other movie that has come before it. Or more nudity. In the series. Only Jimmy and Tina have sex, right? Well, we see uh, Samantha and Paul through the window. Oh, yeah. Mm. So we're assuming kind they of have sex. Yeah. I'm saying Sarah and Doug have sex in the shower. Right. Now, do you guys want to take a guess at how many separate pairs of breasts we get from the vintage porn film? From, oh, no. Did you count all that? Mm, I did. I counted each and every one of them. Eight. You counted every single one of them? Yeah. I'm saying eight. Nathan? Um, Does it matter if it's the same actress on the on the eight millimeter screen every time like did you yeah, go I, I, set of boobs set of boobs set of boobs or did you go same boobs same boobs same boobs I, new boobs different all different okay then i would have to say 33 pairs yeah no it's seven. Oh, i was so oh. close it's there's a lot of boobs yeah i thought i was gonna count like 15 but there's only seven so close. So that's technically 10 sets of breasts after only getting one or none up until now. Pretty impressive. Some of those, seven of those pairs of breasts are secondhand through older porn. We're watching a movie through a movie. I get that, but they're there. I mean, if you're going to count the... If you're a young kid in 1984, like Daniel, watching these movies when his dad didn't know that what he was doing... You're pausing this. I'm jerking so, it to the black and white photo of that pear-shaped woman you're, dancing around. You're pausing a few scenes. You're pausing Samantha outside at night. You're pausing the skinny dipping scene. You're barely getting to watch this movie. Yeah, I had no idea what this movie was about when I was a kid. <laughs> Why would you? Hmm. I thought it was a 1930s porn. <laughs> now, Triumph. This is a little bit tricky. We're trying this for the first time. This is, right, Nathan, this is, is the movie successful within the franchise, right? No, this is asking, does this movie triumph? Is this movie triumphant in any way? 
either individually by itself for a reason of your choosing, or is it is it is it triumphant within the you know context of the franchise slash series? Right. So I know how I vote. I vote triumphant okay. alone, triumphant within the series. <laughs> Why is it triumphant alone? Uh, it's a legitimate movie. There's got more going on in it than the previous Friday films. There's an actual plot. There's some actual attempts at subplots. Um, I will I will bow to this movie being triumphant in the series because it is obviously better than the ones that have come before it. But I disagree that it is triumphant alone, only because it is basically uh, repeating something that's already been done three times. So I don't see why this movie should be viewed as triumphant on its own. I think that's bullshit. I am with Nate on this alone. This movie, whatever. I mean, even you're saying as, as a kid, you're just going to the 1930s porn scenes and not even paying attention to the movie. And if this movie can't keep the attention of a child... Where all uh, this all this movie is is just random tits and then people dying off left and right, like there's no real anything to this movie. But in terms of the series, yes, this is it's fleshed out. This is the best one of the series, I would say, after maybe the first one, since the first one is the beginning and the classic and whatever. But compared to part two and part three, I, I mean, they're all the same fucking movie except you get more tits in this one. The first three are definitely the same movie. Yeah, so with this one, absolutely triumphant because of the fact that you get more nudity. And I, I like the idea of like a 12-year-old Tommy just whacking the shit out of Jason Voorhees with a machete. It is a good part. Like, there's not every day you see a prepubescent child just brutally murder somebody. But I give a double triumph. You guys give it halvesies. No, 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 no. We have to settle on something here. Two to one. We win. No, I never agreed to these terms before. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember? We spoke about this before in a previous podcast. Daniel is actually a dictatorship. (laughs) Whatever. Creative creative kills. Creative kills. Uh, Creative kills. I would like to put this out there. No machete deaths in this movie except for Jason. Are we allowed to choose Jason's death? I'm not sure. This is back to that whole Freddy thing again. We might have to just asterisk it. Okay. Uh, then I choose the wheelchair death in the beginning montage. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen how giddy Jonathan was when that popped up in the montage. Oh, it was so awesome. He's like, yes, yes. I got to relive that joy all over again. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. In a, in a slow-mo, wasn't it? Oh, it was so great. I don't think it was slow-mo. It, they just I mean, showed the whole thing, him going down the stairs and everything. I'm with Nate. Can I pick that one? <laughs> <laughs> it was technically in the movie, right? Or does the movie start at the credits at the beginning? Well, you know, this is according to Nathan, all that old footage is also part of this movie. That's why I'm choosing the wheelchair. But but then I think I would have to backtrack on what I've said in previous podcasts. Where exactly? Oh, I don't want to do that because then that lets Nathan win on bullshit earlier. Right. Uh, Move carefully. Well, it's either that. No, if if because I, I would choose Jason's death because it's obviously badass. So you're choosing a montage death or an asterisk? Well, no, because because he because he asked asterisks 
asterisk ast what, what how do you say it horror <laughs> <laughs> so he's gonna you know set my jason choice aside with some sort of you know nonsense attached to it well it's um, just because it's I, just because we know if this was 1984 then we would be like that's jason's death let's count in the list but we know right we know he's not but dead. no he is dead because if he comes back, then that's a violation of reality. So he becomes a supernatural being, and I don't. I don't haven't, haven't we already shown that Jason is a supernatural being at this point? He seems to be. They seem to be indicating that, but not because they're choosing to to decorate him that way. They're they're doing it because they're trying to create another bullshit movie to make money off of. They're not. It's not driven by actual. Okay, so so both your guys' issue is that you want to choose either a death from the montage, <laughs> or Jason's quasi death. Uh, um, no, hold on. To be fair, I enjoyed Paul's death more than I enjoyed Jason's death. Yes, I am also going with Paul's. Jason's death, death to me was what you guys are choosing. You guys are choosing the spirit of the penis. Yeah. Yes. So Jason's death to me was just. Ali's death over again. No, fuck that. Then I'm. You know what I'm choosing? Then I'm choosing um, Rob. He's fucking. Killing <laughs> <me>. <laughs> He's fucking killing me. Yeah. Just because of it's not because, and I'm actually choosing it, and I'm not, I'm not choosing it because it's hokey. I'm choosing it because it's bringing in a new element. You know, the hacking down someone that's dying, calling out for help as the helpless other character has to watch in horror as that character is murdered right that was a good one so i've I've got a list here we might have to knock a couple of names out of this list because of our own rules let's see axel sawed off head good to go morgan stabbed in the stomach hitchhiker stabbed in the neck uh samantha stabbed in the stomach paul stabbed in the dick and hoisted. That's what makes it for me. And hoisted. Stabbed in the dick and hoisted. If he hadn't been hoisted by his <laughs> dick, hoisted. then I wouldn't have voted for that one. Uh, Terry stabbed through the back. Miss Jarvis, off-screen death, no body. I'm, how can you count that? Nathan? She could be alive. No count, then. I mean, th- you have no you, proof. You don't see a, a murder weapon. You don't see that it was even Jason. You don't see her you body. You see her go, <gasps> and it could have been her ex-husband. Who knows? Could have been the ex-husband. Could have been that she found Gordon the dog in a compromising situation. Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So that puts us... Because after her, it's Jimmy, Tina, Ted, Doug, Sarah, Rob. If she gets off the list, that takes us back to 12. 12 body count, including Jason? No, no. Not, not mm-hmm. including Jason or Miss Jarvis, it's 12. Well, I say we include Jason and make it 13 because he's fucking dead. You don't survive that shit. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll, I'll asterisk it. <laughs> Fuck off. I'll asterisk it until the next movie. The next movie will tell us if he's dead. <laughs> Shut up, man. Unbelievable. Because we'll know then if he's like dead and now it's all a big supernatural thing or if there's some sort of weird loophole that they skirted through. We need another movie mm-hmm. to figure that out. Then we can decide if this is actually a death. Oh, I get what you're saying. I wonder what's going to happen. No, no, no. I get what he's saying. So if Jason... We we know Jason's coming back, but if he comes back through some, like, voodoo witchcraft something, regenerates his corpse, reanimates his corpse, then yes, he was dead. Right. But if Jason just somehow lived through all that... Then he's not dead. Then he's not dead. Right. 
lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head? Or they're just pretending to be drunker than they are. They're like, oh, I'm so drunk after chugging that beer so fast. Hope I don't get raped. <laughs> all this beer's pouring on my face like my bukkake party the week before. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I wonder if my skin's going to glow tried. as much. I've never, it's like, it's one of weird experiences in my life. I've seen that word several times, but I've never tried to pronounce it. <laughs> now you know. Is it buck? I've cake? heard it. I've heard it pronounced by an Italian. A bukkake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now after the uh, pasta, we're gonna have some bukkake. I'm gonna come all over your face. <laughs> yeah, you're adding on the e at the end, and that feels wrong for some reason. But you like bukkake, right? It's how bu- Canadians it's, say it. It's I like I like cake. I like the Italian interpretation. <laughs> bukkake. I think it's Japanese, right? It's supposed to be Japanese, yeah. Thanks a lot, Tom. Thanks for all your efforts. Gun dick. Shout out. There it is. I'm a whore.